Welcome back, everyone. Episode 136 of the Jiu-Jitsu Dummies podcast. We're brought to you by Black Belt Digital Marketing. Anything you need to build your business on or offline, website design, Google ads, graphic design, printing, we can help with any of that stuff. Check us out at Black Belt Digital Marketing on Instagram or our website, bbdigitalmarketing.com. You can request a review of your online presence today for free. We'll look at everything online about you and tell you where you can improve and what we can help with. My name is Milton Campus. I'm a black belt training out of South Florida. Bo, make sure you say it says black belt right under me now instead of brown belt like last time. Uh, we got Bo, behind, Bo and Christian behind the camera. Woo! Say what's up, guys. What up? So, Got to get Christian. Christian doesn't. He's he's not in the. He's not in the. What up? There, there we you go. go. There I gotta you go. Unmute okay. my mic. Don't forget to like, comment, download, share, do all that stuff. Click the subscribe button. We'd really appreciate the support. Today, joining us is Coach Ben Stark. From ATT Palm Beach Gardens, right? Correct. There we go. Hang on one second. I got a couple of sponsor reads, and we're going to dive right in. Uh, thank you to our friends over at Flow and Roll. Sean, he's amazing. Hands down the best custom gi and no gi gear in the business. And I should say, if you look at his reviews online, hands down the best customer service in the business. Don't believe us. Visit them on Instagram at Flow and Roll. It's Flow underscore N underscore Roll. Check out all their custom designs. They work with academies across the country. Incredible pre-order program, so you have to lay out very little money out of pocket to get your stuff up on his website. Your students can order there. You don't have to worry about paying thousands of dollars for all your inventory. He'll give you the profits, and you can even put that towards the inventory that you actually want to carry in the in your in your gym or the academy. Um, again, at flow underscore n underscore roll on IG, and their website is flowenroll.com. You get twenty percent off with code JJD on anything that you buy from the website, not on the pre-orders, guys. Okay. Uh, thank you to our friends over at Bioprotein Technology. Uh, BioPro is a bioidentical alternative to human growth hormones. I'm currently taking the BioPro. You see it over actually Ben's uh, shoulder there. Um, I'm taking the BioPro and the BioPro with Cortisleep. Uh, it helps with anti-aging, metabolism, libido. If you've listened to the show, you know like that's been like the thing that uh, that's really uh, what's the word kicked in for me. I guess. Hey, uh, hey how you doing? Uh, immune system, skin, cognition, as well as sleep and stress. All this with no needles. Uh, I'm a believer now. Uh, no side effects. You can check them out at bioproteintech.com. Get $30 off with code JJD. And um, that's it. Those are our reads for today. Welcome, Coach. Thank you for How you doing, me. brother? I'm doing great, man. <laughs> so we, I know you had reached out. I started following you. And then we had John Way on. And John was like, you got to have my buddy on. You got to have Ben on. Check him out. I'm like, I've been following him. I go, we've chatted once or twice, and we said we'd, we'd have you on one day. So uh, thank you for doing this. Thank you for man, coming on, man. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. So uh, tell us a little bit about, let's, let's start with, you are ATT mm -hmm. Palm Beach Gardens. Yes, sir. Tell us a little bit about the gym and uh, and you know how uh, you came to train under the, the ATT flag. So uh, I'm like the 10th member of the ATT professional fight team. Okay. So when I joined ATT, it was a 750-square-foot gym two blocks from here, now Boca Black Belt Academy. Okay. Like, we had 500 square feet of mats, and I kind of got in, in a way, on, on accident. Yeah. Um, I was training at the FAU Judo Club and boxing at the Boca PAL. Okay. And just one day, randomly, a Brazilian kid came in, and he flying-triangled one of the judo coaches, <laughs> and I was like... Where do you train? Yeah. <laughs> he's like, because well, that's what I was looking for, you know. Yeah. As like a UFC freak from the nineties. Yeah. Like, where, where, how? And he's like, what are you talking about? He was trying to keep it secret, but yeah. you know, he he took me down. I started training at one of the affiliate schools, 
and I was very competition minded. I started competing early, and Edson introduced me to Laborio. Edson Barbosa? Uh, no, oh, Edson, Edson is. This okay. was like oh, was this was 20, way way back, twenty three years no. ago or something. Edson Barbosa was in diapers then. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, he introduced me to Lebo. We hit it off. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a falling out with that coach. And, you know, I lived at FAU, so I was driving to, like, Atlantic and 441 to okay. train. And then, oh, headquarters is two miles away. So you said you said something about Boca. Yeah. I know the when I when ATT got on my flag at first, it was over on, like, it's in Coconut Creek. Yeah. Not the big building. Not the headquarters so now, but had, the one on what's that road? There was Johnson. Like Johnson. So, and I know it because my sister lived right, yeah. right across 441 in Parkland. So when it started, um, it was Billy and Marcelo. And it was just a small gym. So you're uh, going way back way before back. even like, Johnson. Yeah. Okay. About like I think we were there probably two or three years before the first Johnson building. Okay. Like Dan had got a big building. It wasn't ready. So they gave us like a 10,000 square foot spot. We were there for like a year and a half. Yeah, and then they're like, "Hey, the big one's open," so we jumped over to the yeah. seventeen, and we were there for over a decade. Really? And then, yeah, then long. Dan built the forty thousand that's yeah. open now. My, um, if I'm not mistaken, my niece and nephew are friends with his kids. Mm-hmm. With so my sister's kids are friends with his kids. Oh, awesome! They're all there in that Parkland area. Um, I don't know if they went. I don't know if. What's it? Uh, Cardinal Gibbons? I don't know. Did his kids go to Cardinal Gibbons? I don't know. Honestly, they went to Cardinal Gibbons. The, the, my niece and nephew went to Cardinal Gibbons. I know that. I don't know if they know them through school or just mm-hmm. from the area or playing football. And they, I don't know what yeah. his kid. What his I kids haven't. Did, but... I haven't seen his family since I moved to Thailand. So probably like 2011. Really? Oh, yeah. So it's been ago. a minute. I got back in 2014. Then I moved to Germany, Colorado, and then opened up my own school. So I've been, I've been how long moving. have you had this school here now? Uh, we opened in 2015. Okay. So coming up on nine, nine years. Was COVID a bitch? Dude, honestly, we got super lucky. So one, Palm Beach Gardens is a very like Republican area. So nobody, dude. Messed like with you guys. I, I played it super close. Super. Uh, my mother-in-law had lung cancer, so I was playing it really tight. Okay. You know, I'm wearing masks. I'm wearing like spit shields. I'm wearing like an air purifier just to make my <laughs> wife happy. I'm not. I've always been healthy, so I'm just like, I'll be yeah. fine. But you know, for grandma's sake, we'll do it. Sure. And they were putting out crazy stuff. You know, if you get caught breaking the rules, they were going to fine you like $28,000. Really? And I don't I don't have that kind of income sitting around, you know? Yeah. So I played it really tight to the vest. But we were only like closed for like two months. Okay. You know? And when we reopened from COVID, it was actually quite a boom for me. We had so many people. Even they wanted just, to get the fuck out of Yeah, the, dude. They were... Person. They <laughs> say, I told you I was the first one to break the rule. <laughs> um, it, it was a lot of people... Dying like, to get I out of I want to get out of the house. And yeah. what am I going to do? And... I'm working from home now, mm-hmm. so I have to do something to get me out, yeah. right? I mean, I felt like that happened at my, at my gym, too. I'm Dude, not I, my gym, the gym I train in, you know? Yeah. Wow. Dude, I, for COVID for me was perfect. I had a baby. Mm. My I, my wife had a baby. You look great for just having Thank a baby. You. Oh, my God. <laughs> I've been working out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bio, Pro Plus. <laughs> But we had the baby six weeks before COVID hit. So in a way, it was awesome because yeah. you've been in a gym. Yeah. I'm in there from nine to nine. There's no time for the baby. There's no time to help bottle feed. There's nothing. So I got to spend the yes. first two no, months. <laughs> I got to spend the first two months like really like bonding with my kids. Yeah. So I was ecstatic. And then I was like, oh, wait, I'm losing so much money. Yeah. <laughs> We're going broke. <laughs> yeah. So 
for I you know I don't know I don't own a gym so I I do, I could just you know see it at my gym when I did go back I blew out my knee the day before I was going into quarantine for for work mm-hmm. like it was the beginning of COVID so I didn't train for nine months my school did the whole like black bags on the windows and then they put tent and they were sent really open you know yeah unofficially open you know it's like hey guys we're not training today yeah. The not was like, do, don't show up at six. Don't come. Yeah, don't. Yes, don't come on. Don't come. Don't come today. We are definitely not having an open mat on Saturday. Yeah. So, but I just wasn't around for for that nine months anyway. And then when I went back, it was just like a whole, whole bunch of new faces. And we actually wound up a whole bunch of people from ATT from headquarters mm-hmm. started to train with us because they basically when they did open, no more civilians, no more civilians, no kids program, right? And I guess yeah. like a couple of other ATTs open in the area. So we did get a bunch of guys like those weren't even open yet. Like mm-hmm. we were open. There was like nobody else was really open. Yeah. And uh, we, we did get a couple. I actually trained with a guy that's from from ATT that, awesome. that stuck with us. Um, so it wasn't like the worst thing in the world. Let me just say this, too. So in the in like in the marketing world, I was working for another company. And the first month they had a hit list of who they were going to fire because they thought the business was going to go in the toilet. Hundred employees. They asked every manager for like, who can we let go? Mm-hmm. And they were f- getting ready to be like, we've got to, we're going to trim the fat. We get through, that was March, I believe. We get through March, month over month, for two years, except for one June, our sales went up every single month. Yes, like our restaurant clients were closing and things like that, but real estate market took off. Everybody was re- like, so it was like, it got replaced with other industries and then it just took off. Gyms closing, like lost those kind of clients. But we like, they, for almost two years, we just constantly went up. One June, we were down from the previous month, but still year over year, like we, yeah. the June was better. And they had a shit fit. Like, we're, oh my God, what you guys suck. You know, the used salespeople suck. And then I wound up leaving and, and, but it, it carried over to my, to my company as well, yeah. where it was just like, it was getting busy. Like people, yes, companies and, and industries got, took a hit. But those people went out and started businesses, and yeah. it's just been for at least it, like marketing companies is a good like finger on the pulse of what's going on in the world, mm-hmm. like business wise. And it's just been you know month over month and growing and growing. And it now I COVID treated me good too. Is my yeah. overall? You said that at the beginning, like it COVID treated me good. You know, I I, I got it once. You know, nobody yeah. close to me really. Nobody died. Um, Did you have any close know, calls? Like train with like, a guy and then be like, hey, dude. We had no outbreaks in my gym. We've still to this day not had an outbreak. I mean, you know, occasionally we've got like a bunch of guys get hit with the flu, but nobody's ever yeah. tested for COVID. So we've been pretty good. It, we it, really like unaffected. Yeah. I know like, it, you know, a lot of gyms had to close in other parts of the country. But mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like we got lucky. We got super lucky with how the government handled it. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Definitely. Things were handled a little bit differently here. And then, you know, again, then the real estate market took off. So if you had bought a house before, you're doing great. Hey, if you you're know? from New York or California <laughs> and you moved to the Palm Beach area, I would like to say, sincerely, fuck you. Go home. <laughs> and please go the fuck back. <laughs> I was trying, dude, I was trying to buy a house, okay? I was willing to go all the way to Port St. Lucie, which is like an hour north of me, just to afford a house. Because, you know, West Palm and yeah. Broward. Yeah. And I get in there. And I'm like, oh, awesome. Three twos around 290. Like, I can do this, bro. Like, I can own a house. Within eight weeks, that same house was 360. I know. It, it. was insane. Same exact story. I was, I got married 
over New Year's holiday, went on a cruise, got married, came back. We had put our house for sale, took it off when we left because we're like, we're going to be gone. We have to plan this wedding. Like, So we took it off for a few months, came back, put it back on February 1. March, we went into quarantine. We sold, we got a contract by March, got I'll our money, we were ready to go. We had been looking at houses, so we went back to those houses and all of those houses where people were bidding twenty to fifty thousand over the asking, and we like we couldn't do that. We weren't going to do it. Mm-hmm. Just like we, and I wound up finding a pre-construction in Coral Springs. Did that, sold it after two years, and just we, you know, knock on wood, yeah. we we did well. Yeah, and uh, all because of COVID. So again, COVID's treated me good. I mean, I feel bad for people that lost people. I get that, and yeah. and and the world has gone crazy. But personally, you know, it it didn't hurt me. It only it. I left a job because my role changed because so you're of COVID. Looking forward you know? to the new COVID. Yes, yes. What is it? Which, which one is it? I think it's like cold X. <laughs> I, it, I just don't think that this this country wouldn't go through that again. Like, I, no. like this whole like there's Certainly already certain, certain yeah certain areas are already like um, we're talking about the mask mandate again. Oof. Good fucking luck trying to get that done in any place uh, like Texas. Uh, Florida, the more conservative yeah. states, like, you just—it's never going to happen. We people could be walking down the street, dying, falling over, dying, and you're not going to get people today. to believe that they need to wear a mask yeah. or that it's going to work. I didn't have much of an issue with the masks, but I think it was because I lived in Asia for for a few yeah. years. So, like in Asia, like kind of normal to see, it. super normal. Yeah. Well, one, the air quality is a little worse. Like I lived in Bangkok, so it's like New York traffic heavy. Yeah. So the air quality is low because it's just gridlock everywhere. Mm-hmm. So it's not abnormal to see people put on a mask just to walk to the train or do whatever, just because the air's a little dirty. But the culture, like Buddhist culture, is very much like, like to simplify, like be cool, man. So like, even if you're not sick, but you're like, man, I just don't feel myself. You just throw a mask on when you leave the house. Yeah. Do your thing, and it's like a nothing. No one even considers. So it. like, there's nobody like, oh. That no, person's wearing a mask. No, you know, not no. at all. There's like, you good? Yeah, you know, my nose is running. All right, uh-huh. man, cool. And like almost a brush off. Yeah. So it wasn't ever an issue for me. But then when it started getting like really weird, I was like, all right, hold on. Yeah. Like common sense has left the building. Let us reconvene. Yeah. But who am I? I'm just a jock who rolls around with dudes. Yeah. <laughs> right, rolls around <laughs> with other guys in his underwear. What, what, do you, what do you want me to do? No spats. No, no yeah. I, don't, I do not need to see your mushroom print, sir. I, I do believe if you wear spats that you must wear shorts over the top. I do not want to yeah. see. You got to wear a cup at the very least. What do you, how do you feel? I, I've had that conversation. I, I know somebody that wore a cup and I'm like, you do realize that it, like, I didn't know he wore a cup in the morning. I'm like, what is, what is pushing against me? Is that his pelvis? Like, is it his pelvic bone? And then I said something, I'm like, you do realize like. I said, I made a comment. He asked me, "Should I not be wearing it?" And I'm like, "Just think about like if you really truly got an onboard, you're really pressing yeah. that into so." so if I remember correctly, advocate I, for it or or IBJJF is illegal to wear cups. Okay, but Wait. MMA is mandatory. I, illegal? illegal, illegal in IBJJF. That's okay. what I was. To, yeah, I, I, I do not condone the IBJJF. Yeah. I am not a fan. No, like I'm. I haven't competed in in nine or so years. I'm a full time coach. Sure. But you want me to pay you five hundred dollars a year to prove that I'm a black belt? Is my, that what it, it it's, does, yeah, it's is like, that what it costs to be like the last have the association looked, yes. or to just, like have your school be, registered or you be, personally I, for me to be a black belt certified by the ABGF, it's a couple hundred bucks a year. I believe last time I checked it was like four or five, and then 
if my coach doesn't pay that same money, my black belt doesn't count to them. Mm-hmm. So you got to have your entire lineage paying them just so I could can, you not comp- you would if he doesn't would, maintain you can't compete under that school name. You have to I have to go to like a different black belt who does. And then and then I the, so I can't represent like PBG. Yeah. And my my students can't register as being members of my club because I won't pay them because okay. it's that's larceny. Yeah. Like so you don't. Nuts. So you don't. Or I don't do mess you? with IBJJF. Yeah. I, I just think they're grimy, man. Yeah. You know, mm. like, I, didn't know, I didn't know all that. Yeah. Like now they charge their white belts. I think a membership's like 60 a year. Blue belts like 100 something. Purple a membership like, just to have your. Just to be a card carrying yeah. IBJJF person. So you're I thought allowed. It was like a, I thought it was a one time registration. I, what I read was oh. annually. And maybe it's a coach that has to renew. I think maybe. Yeah, maybe. But like you have to be a member, which you have to pay for. Then you have to pay for your tournament. And sure. I was like, I'm out. The tournaments okay. are 120, 150 mm. bucks. How much more do you need? So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the other side of the argument just to be devil's advocate. If you are a if you are somebody who wants to what's the right word? Like you're gonna do this as a profession. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like you do kind of need an IBJJF to build your name to get the experience, to get the exposure, to then get the WNOs and the fight to wins and like you know what I mean? Like you gotta kind of be part of some circuit to get found. Now, not yes. If, no. if you're not looking to be famous or like this isn't your career, is it necessary? I think it's the fastest route because they are the longest standing and the most acclaimed mm-hmm. of the the I guess organizations. You know, but now you have legitimate competitors. You have IBJJF, you have Jiu Jitsu World League. Then you have all the super fight shows. And mm-hmm. then if you're talking Nogi, like ADCC. Yeah, I would put ADCC above IBJJF. Sure. Yeah, I agree. You know, if for no other reason than they pay. And the fact IBJ is like, oh, our world champions at Black Belt uh, get two they, grand. They're, they're paying for, uh, yeah. money to winners. Right. Like, is it what do they pay? Top just top three? Uh, they, do they if give I everybody? remember correct, I don't remember what they break down. So I was on film crew for ADCC 2005. Okay. So what I remember was if you win your division, it's like 25k. If you win the absolute, it's 75k. Oh wow. Okay. And like IBJF's like, if you win worlds, it's two grand. And this here's a fake four dollar medal. <laughs> 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 like. So, I, I mean, I definitely, I you know, if I was a coach in a gym, I mean, it's a conversation. I, I get both sides of the argument, but I, if somebody was like, hey, coach, I want to compete, I, I would, have you had a student, like, I want to compete, like, hey, you got to compete under him, or do you just totally, like, don't, don't. Come. So, when I had guys compete in IBJJF, they were mostly white belts, mm-hmm. blue belts, and it was before they forced them into the memberships, because sure. it used to start at purple belt, I think, mm-hmm. so it wasn't much of an issue. But then you go and they're like, oh, you're not allowed in the barricades. You're not allowed to be mat side coaching. You have to stay over there. Oh, and if you don't have this one, you have to just be in the bleachers. And I'm like, yeah. you can't coach your guy. Do you think ADCC with their new, the new basically the tournaments, they basically are now the main competitor. Because what was it? Every every two years, ADCC was every four two years. years. I think. Was it every four years before? Because now it's going to be every year. Great. With a tournament system Hell yeah. and a tournament system in between where kids to adults I will say this. can can train. It seems ADCC uh, and IBJJF are the only ones that actually track their small, regional, coastal, national and rank, ranking right. like ranking like, the, the fighters. Because we go to we go to New Breed or Naga and it's like this is the South Florida Crystal Cup or the yeah. Southeast <laughs> Championships. There's literally it, nothing different about that tournament. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. It's bleh. like, right. But it's just a time to get experience. Now, like, yeah. 
if you tell me, oh, I'm a white belt world champion, dude, that's pretty good. There's some really gnarly white belts out there. But in reality, it's not really going to carry a bunch of weight until you got some color on your waist. Yeah. And and even then, like when you talk to, to black belts who are world champions, they're like, oh, I'm a five-time purple belt, four-time brown belt, one-time black belt. You're a one-time black belt world champion. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No one cares about your purple belt. So I mean, you do. Uh, your friends do. Yeah. But I do a, think it's... I. Until you understand how many competitions that are going on around the country and around the world on any given weekend, I do find it funny, like when somebody lit, like world, like purple belt world champion, IBJJ, like okay, but what event? Where was it? Um, or maybe it just says IB, IBJJF champ, or you know they put IBJJF and then the gold medal. It, it's just kind of funny to, you know, I want to know like how many fights did you have that day? You know, you, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, there's so much more that goes into it. And, and, and until, you know, look, I don't, I competed a little bit at white and blue and, and one, one competition at purple, all new breeds. Cause it was local in Coral yeah. Springs. And I was just like, oh, I can go here yeah. five minutes from the house. Perfect. And, you know, I did them, um, had a heart attack. Didn't, it stopped. I was just not on the mat or anything. I had a heart attack. Was my cardio never got back to normal. And I'm like, I, I just can't do this. I'm not going to train. I have been talking to people about like, I would like to do it at black belt. But at black belt now, it's like I could be I'm a brand new black belt and I could be fighting people that have been a black belt my for t for 20 years. Yeah. Right. You know, so so now it's like it's a, it's daunting to think about it like that. But, hey, I think I'm going to do it eventually in the yeah. next couple of years. I'm going to prepare myself. But I, I have only done the new breeds. So I really only know that system. I never did an IBJJF because, uh -huh. again, you know, I started jujitsu at 41. So it wasn't like I was like thinking I didn't uh -huh. know where this was going to go. So it's like, oh, let me do this local, you know, tournament. So. um. I, I never fought anybody my age. Everyone was half my age. Never fought anybody my weight. Everybody was usually younger and maybe a little smaller than me. Did well. I was happy with my performance until I did the purple belt, which I had already had the heart attack. And I was just like, I just got like got wrecked cardio-wise. Like my heart yeah. was just pumping. I really felt like it was going to like pop out of my chest. I'm like, oh, my that God, sounds what am terrifying. I doing? <laughs> it, it, it is. It is until you start to kind of realize, okay, it's it's a lot of it's in your mind. And now because you had a heart attack, you're constantly... You know, when, you know, when you feel your body, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, maybe like you feel like you're pumping, right? You yeah. feel it, you know, think about like you are literally, your mind is so laser focused on how fast your heart is beating that it's hard to, but I, I got away from that. Now, now I don't even think about it. Did but, you uh, find that the bio pro plus, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do think that the bio pro, the bio pro has helped me. Um, I don't know that it's going to be the thing that gets me on the mats, <laughs> but, um, um, I, I do feel, I, I, I really do take it and I really do feel like it's changed. I actually, I do take two, th two different things. I, I want, I always am super, uh, trend. Uh, uh, <laughs> I do, I take something called Astroflav. Okay. Uh, which is a testosterone, like over the counter testosterone mm -hmm. booster, right? Um, you know, makes your body produce more testosterone. Can you then I started taking me? this, sure. And I just got my blood work done and my, uh, my, you know, they do like the testosterone, mm -hmm. free testosterone, whatever it is. My testosterone is up 30% over in the time that I was taking BioPro, my testosterone's up 30% over the previous blood test what six kind months of numbers before. Are you talking? Um, I, my free testosterone, I think it's my free was 63 Uh huh. and a buddy of mine that's taking TRT is like, oh shit. My last test was like, I was at 40, but what there's, there's free testosterone. And then there's another total. There's a total and yeah. a free. The free is supposed to be the more accurate one. Okay. And I thought that that was low at 63 and he was just like, 
my last one was at 40. He's like, oh, but I didn't do this. And I'm like, I, I'm thinking you're going to be like off the charts. Uh, so I'm super comfortable with it. But we were just talking about it before the show. I'm apps. I've been like the advocate for like, don't put anything in your body. Don't, you know, don't put anything with needles into your yeah. body. Like, you know, starting to inject stuff is, but I'm thinking about it. I'm 50 and I'm li I, a bunch of people that I know. I know the place that they go to and I've gone and I've got my blood work done and thinking about doing the TRT. I have to go to my cardiologist next month, and I basically need to have a permit. She's already told me I could mm -hmm. do it, but I never got her to write me. Like, they literally want a note from my cardiologist. So I'm going to go in February, go for my annual. Mm -hmm. And once I get cleared, then I'll get the note, and I think I'm going to give it a try. I, I mean, I know so many guys that are just like that I are doing know, it. That I are... want to do it so bad. <laughs> Anybody want to sponsor us? <laughs> just put it out there, guys. You could have this so, pushing you. So there's a... There, the place that I went to is actually in Delray. Um, I'm not gonna give a name a shout out yet. Um, <laughs> we got he's, sure he's a he's a Henzo Gracie, he might be a brown belt by now. I did it, I went there a year ago. He was a, a Henzo Gracie purple belt, mm -hmm. and um, so a, uh, one of my training partners knew him, so he just like directed a bunch of people. There's actually a location, it's a franchise, so there's one closer to me, but. Figured, hey, let me go to the, yeah. you know, he took care of us to like, cut the blood work yeah, in, yeah. in half and the cost of the blood work in half. So, um, so I'm going to, I'm going to go to him just, you know, Sweet. you know, jujitsu guys, right? Yeah. yeah. You do jujitsu. Yeah. I'll travel five Bro, hours to you. buy your product. Right. Yeah. So, uh, Support so I'm, I'm going to go back and I'm going to do it again. And, uh, I figured cause I come up to Boca, it's a short, like yeah. if I make my appointments after this, I would can go up and do my thing. So I'm, I'm, I'm actually going to do it. I think I'm going to do it. I've sat here in this chair and been like, you know, a, a big part of um, why I think I had a heart attack is I did do steroids. I did take steroids in my thirties. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, the, my doctor, when I was on the table to get stints, like they rushed me to the hospital after the heart. Attack. I wasn't on the floor writhing in pain. I was like, you felt like somebody was sitting on my chest. I went to the hospital. They're like, yeah, we see an anomaly here in your, in your EKG. They put me in an ambulance and the ambulance guys are the ones that told me like, You've had a heart attack. <laughs> you did have a heart attack. Um, we're taking you over, but they, they saw me in good spirits, and I was joking with them that they were like, felt like they can give me the news because what happens when you tell somebody they have a heart attack? <gasps> they might have another fucking yeah. heart attack, right? <laughs> so I'm in the, I'm in the, in the, uh, they were just happy to be able to like run every red light. For, they had to take me from Coral Springs to Fort Lauderdale. And uh, it was like, we we're joking around. I was in good spirits, but when I was, they bring you right into the room where they're going to go in with the catheter and, and go right into your heart. They do to, a vein or an artery catheter? They go, they go through the, through the, the moral artery. The, yeah, I guess uh, right in the hip, right okay. uh, in the leg. They go up and um, they, you know, uh, put the, what, the little bag in there to clear the arteries, now, how, but then they how have to put in stents. How were you that they went in through the vein and not your dick? Ah, I don't, can, I, can they go in through the, I don't think they can well, go in through the dick. A traditional catheter goes into your bowel. No, but that's for, to pee. Know, that's to pee. Like, no, no, this is like, this is what? like to go, they literally, you could see it's funny because they don't put you out. They don't, they don't knock you completely out. Oof. So you're on the <laughs> oh, table. No she's operating, she's going in, but she's looking at the two screens above your head. So again, you know, my memory from like, you're, um, you're kind of coming in and out, but you're not totally out. It doesn't hurt, but she's, she goes in and I just wind up kind of like waking up and I'm looking at the screens and you could see the, the snake, whatever the catheter Ooh. going around your heart. So it was kind of like, but you can't really react to it. Cause you're kind of, you're like, it's like you're drunk, you know? Mm -hmm. 
And but I could see it. I remember like going them going around. I had to go in twice. I went in the next day. They put three stints the first day and a, and one stint the the next. Day. So I had four stints. But my point was that when I was on the table, she didn't come in and introduce herself. She didn't ask me my name. She came in and she goes, "You taking steroids?" And I said, "I did do steroids in my in my thirties years ago." And she goes, "Hmm." Yeah. And then I'm like, "That that was the conversation." Were you hitting it hard? So in my mind, no. You know what? I think. Not that I hit it hard. I, I know that I, I probably fucked up because I didn't come off properly. I just like one day I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm done. done. <laughs> and I just stopped taking stuff. And then you fucking throw your body into a fucking yeah. whole hormonal, you know, now your body's producing estrogen and it's trying to replace and, and you have all these problems. And I, I don't, I'm not a doctor. I don't know, but I definitely shouldn't have taken the steroids. And I definitely didn't like wean myself off to get mm -hmm. my body back. It's just like one day I just stopped. But like, even and I did do HGH at the time too. So this is what twenty years ago, <laughs> in my thirties. Yes. Yeah. So. The, the the information on on gear and steroids twenty thirty years ago was, was nothing. Yeah, it was like you're getting it from your buddies. Yeah. And like no, you know. Yeah. Now, like, there's a guy I follow online. He's like a thirty year old bodybuilder, and he's like basically a pharmacologist. Like, uh -huh. I have an FAQ. Here's our structure. Here's our chemical compounds. This is what we're uh -huh. looking for taking. Here's what you want. Blah blah. blah. And here's yeah. how you get on and get off. Yeah. If you get on this, you can never get on. Like I didn't do. I didn't whoa. do any of that. I literally was. It wasn't even available. Taking pills and injecting HGH and yeah. yeah. So I'm 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 definitely. I, I feel like I'm ready to do it now that I understand a little bit more. And I tr you know I didn't really fully understand that like TRT isn't steroids, right? TRT is, you know, and then there's the over the counter stuff that'll make your body produce versus injecting yourself yeah. with it. So. I'm 50. I can't live forever, and I want to. In the to, time, in the time that I have, I, I, I want to. I want to. Hell you yeah! Know, You're doing and, that too. So I'm, I'm 41. And then, and then I'm gonna do the IBJJF competitions. Yeah. <laughs> since they're not testing Look, anymore. Special thank you to the crew over at Flow and Roll for all their support. Flow and Roll is renowned for their incredible nogi rash guards, shorts, and leggings. Flow and Roll has quickly become the premier custom apparel provider for academies big and small throughout the United States. Reach out today to discuss your custom order and ask about their incredible pre-order program. You can send an email to flowenroll at gmail.com or visit their Instagram at flow underscore n underscore roll and shoot them a direct message. And yes, they can create an awesome custom gi for your academy as well. Visit flowenroll.com to check out their awesome designs and while you're there, pick up a jujitsu dummy signature tee exclusively at flowenroll.com. And remember... You'll get 20% off your purchase of t-shirts, rash guards, or geese with code JJD. No bullshit. <laughs> I've only ever taken silver medals. In every, I, I stopped competing in jiu-jitsu when I was a blue belt because I started fighting. Okay. But in all of my tournaments up until that point, only silvers, one bronze. But mm -hmm. I never took gold, only silver. So in that case, IBJJF would never have to test me. Yeah. They only test the <laughs> me and Craig Jones. So just make sure dude? you lose. <laughs> Second Moral place. of the story, just Second lose. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you, so you, would you do it? Would, is so it something I, you would do? I've or been you toying into? with it forever. So, like, I don't remember my free numbers. I remember my total numbers. But I went, like, I got tested the first time at 31. It was, like, a total of 620. Couple years later, five twenty, three twenty, five twenty, and I'm like, mm. that's not that bad. Like when you look at the scales, I'm like, I'm I'm average middle, but I haven't been checked now in like four years. Yeah, forty one. I definitely feel different. Like I feel good. This is the yeah. first time in my life that I've lifted consistently for like more than a year. 
Yeah. And it and it's dramatic. Like I've made real like differences, but I'm noticing it's like, oh, I'm not losing fat anymore. Yeah. Like I'm just that's I'm the big thing for me is I yeah. can I'm I, strong I, and I'm big, but I'm chubby. I don't feel I like I like how old are you? Forty one. Forty one. I don't feel at fifty, I'm working out every other day with weights. I try to do jujitsu one day, work out the next, mm -hmm. maybe one day off of everything, you know, on the weekend maybe. Um depend you know, just how I work it in. I definitely don't I'm working out with weights more and with heavier than I ever had. And I just don't feel like I'm putting on the mass mm -hmm. like I used to. I, I know I'm not putting on the mass, right? You just we're older. You're yeah. just not going to. And then again, like the fat coming off is just like a challenge. The only, the only it's thing so that I've been slow. able to do to lose weight and it's hard to stick to is intermittent fasting where I, I have two meals a day, big lunch, don't eat after five at all. That I, I could see myself losing like a half pound a day, but it's really hard to stick to, especially... I do jujitsu at night. You come home, you're fucking hungry. You know, Especially I try to stick to a protein it. shake yeah. or something, or like something healthy, but the protein shake. All right, let me put a banana, it maybe just, put some peanut butter, and then I'm like, well, I can have some grapes. Oh, oh, there's a little ice cream in the fr You know, and then it's just like, now you're eating and, you know. So that's what's hard for me. But if I can stick to the intermittent fasting, it's the, truly the only thing at this age that's worked for weight loss, no matter how much. Oh, we're doing cardio. We're doing jujitsu. Yeah. You're doing stand up, right? You're 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 yeah. throwing hands. It's incredibly hard to lose weight doing the things that we do. I can maintain, but with the intermittent fasting, I definitely lose weight. Yeah. I, I had the flu recently, lost six pounds. Hell yeah, and dude! I, uh, and I gained three of them back, right? So I was like, <laughs> hey, that's, you a, know? that's a net positive. That's my guy. you know the uh, that's the best uh, weight loss program I've had is is getting the flu, but um, yeah, it's it's fucking hard. I you know what I I, I also take like uh. With the BioPro, I really, I was having a problem like with like recall. Mm -hmm. So like I'd be here and I couldn't like even like I can feel it getting better. Like I know who Craig Jones is. How many times I've been like, um, you know, the funny guy. And I'm like, it's fucking <laughs> Craig Jones. I watch his shit every day yeah. and I couldn't, I know it. I see his face in my, in my brain. I know I could, and I couldn't grab the name. So I was like, fuck. And that started to help me. And then when I started to see it get better with the BioPro, I was just like, hmm. Promo code, hmm, jujitsu what else, dummies. What else can I take? And then I actually started to do the Alpha Brain. I love Alpha Brain. I, took, I take the Alpha Brain and I, I kind of feel like everything together, the Astroflav, this and that. It's a good combination. I don't have, feel zero side effects from anything, but I definitely feel a difference in my energy level. Mm -hmm. And that like the recall still not perfect every once in a while i'll just like test myself like start rambling off like famous people but how's your libido <laughs> ridiculous that's what i'm talking about ridiculous that's it's talking I, about. The, my buddy's like if you're feeling off the charts now he goes when you do the trt you better i'm i'm recently i got divorced over the summer um so I'm like, are your kids I'm all single. old enough to be out of the house? My, I have a 30 year old daughter and a 19 year old stepdaughter. Stay out. Yeah, daddy's going out this weekend. Yeah. <laughs> the libido definitely took off, and the guys that I know that are on TRTs is at least at very much in the beginning. They're like, you're gonna, Bro. you better, you better have a girlfriend. So <laughs> you better have a girlfriend. When I was living in Bangkok, I had gotten tested, and my my levels were at like three. He said Bangkok. <laughs> He's not Bangkok, honey. <laughs> so my levels were low. So I, I, I had done more research, right? And I, I contacted an endocrinologist, and he's telling me, because TRT isn't really a thing in Asia. Sure. 
you know? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I work with, you know, diabetics. What, what are you looking for? And I just explained, like, look, my, my numbers are down, this and that. I have a very active lifestyle. I'd like to be able to keep it up. And he goes, okay. And he gave me a decent monthly dose, but he administered it to me awkwardly. So I got 250 nanograms of basic test monthly. But instead of doing like 70 a week, he did 250 on the 8th. See you next month. <laughs> like, so let me tell you. So bro. you were basically walking around Dude, with a boner. <laughs> bro. So and it ju- the girl I was dating at the time had just taken a semester abroad to Beijing. So I was just alone. Just walk in the streets, and is that I'm, is that when you got the you really built those muscles up in there? Uh, <laughs> this one tricep right here, backhanded dog. You gonna, oh, you get, you get the yeah, cuts you're, you're, you, you go this way. Whoop, you go whoop. this way. Well, I figured that out in high school, you know, because my forearms started cramping. So I was like, let's work. Let's the go back. Side. Let's go the four fingers over the top. You know what I'm saying? You can only be I am sorry for so long. to. Any of the kids that listen to the show, we do have a lot of kids. Turn if you this haven't one, figured turn that out this yet, one off. <laughs> you might not want to listen to this episode. <laughs> turn it off. Things are gonna get dark. <laughs> so there I was living in Bang Cunt, going to Nana Plaza. <laughs> did you? Uh, yeah, obviously it was off the charts, right? You were. Oh, dude, you were so like, that was the thing. So like, fucking. I remember, good place to be that dude, morning, huh? No, because like I'm, I'm a pretty strong germaphobe. Really? Three and a half yeah. years in Thailand, never a dirty hand job, never a hooker. Really? Nothing. I dated the same girl the whole time I was there. Yeah. I met her after a handful of months, but I'm also a little socially awkward. Hard to believe. I know. <laughs> but like, like my whole thing was like, I don't speak the language. How am I going to flirt? I'm just going to kind of be like another dickhead foreigner who's just trying yeah. to get their dick wet. But mm-hmm. I live here. I'm trying to like make yeah. a life. So I just didn't. I'm, I'm a bit work obsessed, which I think is pretty common in our fields. So I just worked yeah. and worked and worked. And then by chance, one of my students, some of his college friends came to a tournament and just randomly the girl sitting next to me and I hit it off. And yeah. I was like, cool. Everything was fine. Did you ever learn how to speak the language? Or was what time like, I didn't know yeah. in the cop? Yeah, yeah there you like, go. <laughs> I'd tell you this. I could talk to a taxi driver. I can order food <laughs> I, pretty I was going to tell that. You could order food at that. I can right? order food. <laughs> and I can like, I can talk a little sweet, yeah. but that's it. Yeah. Like. Not politics or like you could talk me out of my pants. You can be like, "Hey, Mel, it's not." Kun Lama. He's probably he's ordering food right now. We don't need. We we couldn't tell the difference. Kun is you. Law is handsome. Mark is very Kun Lama. There you go. Here's something for next time you're going to eat Thai food. If make one, don't eat at a Thai place that doesn't have Thai people. Okay, because they're just going to give you Chinese food. But if you're a man and you're and and you're I'm a spicy guy. You say, pet kun Thai, spicy like a Thai person. Mm-hmm. They're going to tell you no, and you should take their advice. <laughs> but if you hard like that, yeah, insist, pet kun Thai, ka. It's going to be hot as fuck. Bro, you're going to die. Yeah, really? Go- <laughs> so when I first moved back, my best friend's a high-end sushi chef, Japanese guy, and he's like, hey, fancy pants. Take us out for Thai food. So, like, All right, cool. so we go, and he wants me to order for everyone. My Thai sucks. It's been 10 years. But at the time, pretty sharp. His roommate's like, I do like super spicy. I like, I like super hot. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, you don't. Oh, shit. And she's like, I do. So everyone orders, and she's like, make sure it's hot. And I was like, this is the wrong place. Like, 
These are real Thai people. Don't do this. And she's like, do it. Order. And I'm like, Pet Kun Thai? And the lady goes, no. And I'm like, just her. Just her. I was like, Al Kun Thai. Yao Pet Mak Mak. And they go, okay. Dude, she put it, she hit it with, she used a fork, which is the first sign. This is a bad idea. <laughs> and she like gets it here and like gets it to her mouth. Uh, uh, <laughs> I could, across the table, it's like burning your eyes. Really? Wow. Bro, they don't fuck around. Yeah. Like when I got there, I was a vegetarian and uh, I had a bunch of Japanese students, high end businessmen, like ferociously high end businessmen. And these guys fucking party, dude. Yeah. Party. We're talking, they light themselves on fire. Like, one guy climbed two six-foot stack speakers naked in one of the hostess's dresses, and he's like, like, they're the best. I love them with so much, so much. Either way, uh, we go out afterwards, and we're just eating street food. So to go to the bathroom, you got to go to the mall, like, down the street. One of the guy's wives is there, and I was like, hey, give me some tum salad. He's like, papaya salad. I was like, not spicy, because I just moved. Like, I knew better. Not spicy. She goes, no problem. I go, I come back, I take a bite, and I'm like, what the fuck is that? And she's like, no, spicy. And I look, and there's more pepper or chilies than papaya. <laughs> and I'm like, this has so much. She goes, oh, 15 chili, no spicy, very easy. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. I almost, I almost literally lost it on the streets. Like, yeah. no, it was, <laughs> it was, it was horrible. But you, you get used to you it. Were the, you went there to train? So, okay. Uh, I'm buddy, I'm acquaintances with Eve Edwards. We used to train in the same room. Okay. I would love to say we're friends because I fucking love Eve Edwards. Yeah. But like, we didn't get to hang out that much. Yeah. We were like training buddies. Would he remember you if you ran into him today? I think so. Yeah. I think so. But that's about as close okay. as it gets. Yeah. Good acquaintances. Sure. And I got news of a, of a job offer at Fairtex Bampli. Mm -hmm. And I was just talking about it. And he goes, oh, I actually know the guy hiring. So he made some calls, but that job didn't work out. I was teaching for Roger Crawl at Top Team Sunrise, well now uh, the Martial Art MMA Science Academy. Okay. I was teaching for him, and he suddenly goes, you still wanna go to Thailand? I'm like, yeah. And he goes, I wanna send my son, but he's only 19. So if you're willing to chaperone him, I'll pay for your ticket, which is a hell of a deal. And I'm like, I'll get him drunk, but no hookers. And he's perfect, <laughs> great. So he paid for my flight, I made some calls, uh, Ray LB was the head coach of Tiger Muay Thai at the time. So some of my fighters had trained, they'd met him. So I just kind of like, hey, you were on Tough Nine. I was on Tough 11. We both lost first round. Da, 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 da. You know some of my students. So he comped myself and Taylor. So cool. We got comp training at Tiger. He goes, I'm just going to ask you to cover a couple classes, maybe teach a seminar. Happy to. You know? Yeah. And I taught this seminar. Brian Ebersol was there, uh, Benny Alloway, a bunch of UFC guys were there, a bunch of like local prospects. And I don't know what it was. Tiger does an amazing job like with their videography and they're putting out their social media. But before it even hit social media, I just start getting job offers. Really? I got a, I got a job offer from Pattaya Combat Club, some other spot in Bangkok. This is back, like realistically, I was a three-stripe brown belt. I was the third highest ranked jiu-jitsu player in the country. Like, okay. Th and this is... 2009 you know i don't know what to do with it so i just kind of start fielding it around uh i get connected with a gym in bangkok called emac it's run by a guy named nitty technotis nitty is the guy who brought jujitsu to thailand okay he did it, it was very similar to like the Sheikh's son starting adcc he did a semester abroad he started training under julio seneca and this is a guy who was on like the thailand national taekwondo team 
And he just goes, I've wasted my life. <laughs> what have I been doing? And just started, he luckily had the, con the, the capital to fly a guy in for six months, give him a place, blah, blah, blah. And I just happened to be that guy. But I ended up staying for like three and a half years. Oh, wow. So I got super lucky. Nitty's the best. Um, I got off topic. But yeah, that's how I no, ended no, up no, in Thailand. We were talking about how you go. But yeah, that's how I ended up, up there. Uh, actually, I was supposed <laughs> to go earlier, but uh, Brian Ebersol called me and he's like, hey, I'm going to fight you know, in, in Jersey for the UFC. We hit it off. He's, we spent like three weeks hanging out. And he's like, come help me with camp. So I moved out to Kankakee, <laughs> Illinois. And I, I spent a couple months with him. And then I jetted overseas. He then became the head coach at Tiger Muay Thai. It was really cool, man. Okay. Thailand was the best. I want to hear more about uh, the uh, tough uh, Ultimate Fighter. Oh, <laughs> how did you that? I, I was uh, I watched probably the t first ten seasons well, like I'm glad religiously. You quit there. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like I'm trying to think back. I mean, there's a lot of fighters, so I'm like you know trying to think back. And you usually remember the guys that yeah. that went to the UFC. So um, I did watch like religiously and then just like work life happened and then i stopped and it gets to know, be a lot it's a it's it's a bit it's a time investment it's like uh like people with football yeah you know like you have like if you're like they're in the football and they watch all their team and they follow and they're doing the fantasy football and stuff like that i mean now ufc is like a year round commitment if, yeah. you're, if you're into it but i definitely i, I watched the ultimate fight and then i think i stopped when they started like doing like the competitions between countries and then like Tough yeah. Australia and tough Brazil. Like, I didn't see all those. I yeah. just like, I, I just, I'm like, okay. And keep that, in mind, it's too much, Dana. They Come were on. doing, they were doing toughs that we never saw. Yeah. That were tough Mexico, tough Brazil, yeah. tough South America, tough yeah. Asia. And they only aired in those regions yeah. as well. They were doing tons. Yeah. Um, so tell me about that. How, so, how did that transpire? That was cool. Uh, I heard about tryouts. Um, I had just come back from a three year layoff. I, I had a, I got run over in 2006. Uh, Destroyed my lower back, L4, L5, L5S1. You got run over by a so, by woman, SUV. Yes. a truck, a it was car, a, it was a, a motorcycle. So not far from here, um, the back road leaving FAU, going to the Publix, down on Federal. Okay. So it has like a straight shot uh, leaving uh, down the parking line to the red light. And I was just in line. And I was in a small Hyundai Elantra. And it just must have been perfect where like my corner was like dead set in this lady's bumper. Cause I mean, I don't know how she didn't see. She's got a car on each side. She's got a light pole in front of her and me behind her with a line of like 30 cars waiting to get out. And she just drove on my hood through my window. Like her wheel was like here. What the, what kind of, what was it? What kind she of was car? in a RAV4 if I remember, or no, a what? Nissan something. It was an truck, SUV. A yeah. truck. Okay. So I was in a car and she just drove on and like it, it hit For me awkwardly. Yeah. My back gets all compressed. I get twisted up. Wow. I remember, I get out of the car and I walk over to her window and she looks at me, screams, hits the gas. But there's a light pole in front of you, but her wheels are off the ground. They're just spinning. And I'm like, hey. And I take glass out of my face and I flick it at her window. <laughs> you can't go anywhere. And she won't get out of her car. She calls her boyfriend. Her boyfriend shows up and he's like, bro, are you really going to call insurance? And I'm like, do you have a new fucking car? <laughs> oh, shit. You know, uh, so that put me out for like three years. I was in bed for like four months. Like I would roll and my upper body would move and my lower body wouldn't. Like a disconnect in wow. my in my spine. It was really, really bad. Um, three years, therapy, rehab. I, I always fought the knife. You know, 
I had plenty of doctors like, you have to do this. They're like, I can still walk. We'll just, I'll do it slow rehab way, slow rehab way. Um, so when I came back, I'm finally fit. I'm finally good. And I you hear never went under the knife. Never. No. Okay. To this day, like I've had PRP in my back nine times. I've gone to Tijuana CPI for stem cells. Stem cells, CPI in Tijuana. Reach out yeah. to me. I'll set you up. Anyway. Is it? Fucking life changing. Well, well, it's cracked up to be. Unbelievable. Yeah, I told my buddy Ray, he's to, got lots of problems. And we, I keep on which telling Ray? him. Delulio? Yeah. Yeah, I love Ray. You know Ray? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's uh, he's my bud. I know Ray from back in like he's the All-Stars bud. days. We train, yeah. <laughs> me, I didn't know him then. I know All-Stars. Uh, he's a, a friend, training partner, and a client. I love Ray. I, 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 did, awesome. I run the marketing for for three of his or two of his businesses and a wet and, and three websites. Hell yeah, yeah, yeah. He's awesome. Yeah, yeah. But like, so I went. What we'll just skip around. When I got the stem cells, uh, I got my knee. I got my L three L L three L four L four L five L five S one. Uh, and then a month or so later, I got my shoulder. There was just a mishap, so I went back with my knee. And I've had end-to-end bucket handle tear, flip meniscus. I've had it fixed a couple times with PRP and stuff. Within 12 hours, like I'm walking on a cane. Within 12 hours, I just get up and I walk. I'm like, holy shit, I'm walking. Really? Like I'm walking good. The back was a little more intense, but also I'm bone to bone on two levels, pretty much like four millimeters of disc. Uh, that took about three weeks. But we're talking like three weeks of like pretty legitimate swelling and pain because they got to inject stuff into the disc and expand it and stuff. But then just one day you wake up and I'm just like, I feel great. I feel really good. If you communicate with Ray, you really need to oh, yeah. tell him. I'll that. reach out to him. Tell him. For Mil- sure. Milton told me we were talking about CPI. We've talked about it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, he's a he's a Rogan listener, so he knows the whole deal. Yeah. And he and I'm like, why you're, you're doing all this stuff? He's doing some therapy right now. And I'm like, have you, dude? It's, and, it's, he's and, like, he's kind of like, I, I think I might have and to. If and if somebody guy, told him that he knows. Yeah. How that's the story you just said. If he hears this yep. or you tell him that, Bro. he'll he'll be there. And if you're a guy who supports jujitsu people, CPI is owned by Scotty, who used to own <coughs> on the men, OTM. Same okay. guy, Lucky yeah, yeah. Kimonos. Same guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Lucky Kimonos is. Uh, I know. I we did something with. Uh, I think like a Canadian branch broke off. Uh, I like think California he sold it a little Canadian, while back. Yeah, and I dealt with somebody who is like who runs the Canadian market. Mm-hmm. I, I believe, and we did like a giveaway or something, way back. But go ahead. So either way, CPI, so CPI. CPI was amazing. Wow. Fixed me up dramatically. Like, <clears throat> I would like to do it again. And I'd like to do it right. Right meaning when I got home, I should have set up an MRI for three months, six months, one year. Look just to check my progress, see how much growth I had. I didn't. I just went back. Like, as soon as I was good, I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to do 750 rounds this year. I'm, I'm back to lifting. I'm doing, like, my fight team's active. I'm working with my, like, I was just stoked to be moving well. Be healthy. You know? So I, I just went hard. I didn't get re-MRI'd until the end of last year. So just about three years. And I went to the same MRI spot. So they do comparative MRI. Okay. And it showed that, like, two of my discs, I had growth. I had regrowth of disc by, like, a millimeter or two. Okay. Which isn't a lot, but your disc only an inch. So if, if a treatment gets you two, three, four millimeters... That's that's massive. A big deal. It's huge. Wow. You know, so my plan was hopefully to become a millionaire and do it like once a year. Yeah. Uh, do you need you, do you need it yeah, right now so again? I have 19 disc injuries. I've got 10 herniations, seven bulges, two degenerations. So my plan was hit the really bad ones. So hold on, is that from the accident? That, or is so it f- bo- jujitsu and, and MMA or, uh, or 
all of the above. Jiu-Jitsu definitely didn't help. So in 2018, I got hit <laughs> twice. Oh, so shit. when we were talking about IBJJ, I was going to do Masters Worlds, right? Okay. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm full-time coaching. I'm training. I was like 215. I'm now 260. Fucking what's up? <laughs> and and <laughs> so I was like, I'm going to do Masters Worlds. I'm going to go out to Vegas or LA, whichever it was that year. And I was like, I was really hype about it. I was stoked. But I was terrified because I'm in the same bracket as Cyborg yeah, and, and yeah. like all these other like legendary dudes. And I'm, I'm a pretty good black you gotta belt. Get under 215, but like, right? 215 is the is, is right. Is it 215 and above? Uh, dude, I don't even know. Yeah, I think it's I was just I looked. <laughs> I was just fit and healthy. I'm like, know? where do I got to be if I want to do IBJJF where I'm not up against yeah. like 300 pound guy? Yeah. Like so, and I got hit again. I was uh, Broward by Costco. Broward by 595. And just looking to make a right turn, and a guy hits us. My head hits the the door frame, and my neck goes like oh, back. Jesus. That had me out for two years. Six months after that, just on Christmas Day, just driving, you know, family to family. Some lady hit us, my wife and I, in the back doing 75. Yeah, so like, I had, I had like a two, two and a half year stint. Are you in pain right now? Do you have pains right now? or If I stand they... up. <laughs> if, if I wake up, if I open my eyes so, in the morning. <laughs> right, I, I, I have a, a chiropractor, physical therapist, ART guy that I work with twice a week. His name's okay. Steven Swearingen. Okay. Uh, he runs a spot up in Lake Park. It's called Performance Spine and Sport Rehab. He specifically okay. likes to focus on athletes. Okay. That's his passion, but he does everybody. Um, not your average whack and crack chiropractor. Yeah. Like his back room of his office is a hardcore gym. Like okay. you are lifting to strengthen your chain and your improvement and all this stuff. He takes amazing care of me. Um, I do run into nerve pain here or there. Like I had a really bad stint before I was in Taiwan for December. Uh, before I went where like starting in like my L4 running out through my butt down my hip and then circling my thigh. The only way I can describe it is like take a piece of duct tape, wrap it, put thumbtacks in it that are about four inches long that'll touch your bones, light them on fire, and then electrocute <laughs> them. And that's like the most accurate description of what it felt like to stand still. And then wow, you start walking. Uh, my, my wife forced, or not forced me. I went on a vacation with my wife to New York. We walked 33 miles in three days. And it was so hard on my nerves. I used my backpack as a sling for my right arm because I was having nerve pain. And I was dragging my leg. This is probably like eight years ago. It's like, it's not great. <laughs> Does your wife ever like, all right, maybe you should stop doing this? No. My no. wife's my wife's a badass. Does she <clears throat> does she train? No. No. She did judo as a kid. Mm. When I first opened the gym, she'd come in and like screw around. Uh I have I have a bunch of cool crash mats. So she was like, Oh, I can break fall. So she was having me like throw her and stuff. And then we started doing professional wrestling moves. And then she kneed herself in the mouth on a bump and <laughs> never again. No. I'm done. <laughs> she was oh, she, she she forced me to allow her. See how that works. She tied my hands together with my black belt and then mm -hmm. tickled me for three. I almost pissed the bed. She tickled. It was her vengeance because I hate tickling so much. I, I almost broke my mom's nose in high school when she tickled me. So, okay. In Florida, we have what's called magnet schools. There are three stories here right now. There's just so, so you know. You <laughs> <laughs> we haven't even gotten I, to I, really, I really want to hear more about your wife tying you up with your black belt. That's uh, the, the more interesting uh, one to me right now. That's what it was. She was like, Vengeance is tickling. 
So she just literally tickled me. This is you saying after she kneed herself? After yeah, yeah, she yeah. Because yeah. right. we, we did like a, like a belly-to-back suplex, like okay. pro-wrestling style. Okay. And like on oh, the so bump. She yeah, she went, boom. Okay, yeah. And so, yeah. She was kind laughing. Kind of her fault. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> like, And then she was mad because she was laughing, but she was crying. But she was laughing so hard she was crying. And, and, like, that, and that kept her off the mat? And then yeah. she wouldn't train after that? Well, I mean, I got her pregnant. You know, that oh, was part of it. Yeah. But that's that was like seven her, years later. Her fault too. Dude, that's what I said. <laughs> I thought I was sterile. I really did. So anyway, back to tough. Uh, <laughs> I flew out to LA to do tryouts. A couple of my buddies came with me. Tryouts were cool. Um, they had everyone in a room. They just they had a mat in the center. Dana White comes out and he goes, I'm going to have you guys grapple. You're going to start from your knees. I don't see, need to see any takedowns. I don't need to see any slams. I don't need to see any heel hooks. There's 15 of us on the panel. We are all watching you. If you caught a submission and your partner's being stubborn, let it go. We saw it. And I'm like, cool. No problem. There's, I think there was, they said it was five, 5,500. So there's thousands of people there. So I get called to grapple. I grapple some wrestler, dude. This was probably like, you know, someone who just kind of rises to the occasion. Mm -hmm. Like I'm good. I'm not great, but I'm pretty good. And this dude, like he bum rushes me. I do a fallback. I catch an arm bar. He just picks me up and slams me, which is supposed to be done. He picks me up again. I just grab his leg. I, I'm an, I'm a leg locker back in the time when the Brazilian dudes would like be mad at you. Yeah. These was, are thieves uh, moves. Uh -huh. Who Why do you do this? <laughs> like I'm old. It was, so, yeah, they were dude, very much against. Yeah. Them. So this guy, I arm bar him. He slams me. I transition to a leg. I do a knee bar sweep. He rolls. I hit inside heel hook. I look at Dana. I go, and then I let it go. I pass. Did you really? Yes. You did? I arm his <laughs> other arm. So I literally went arm, leg, arm, leg, arm, leg. I just transitioned through him. I kept, But he slammed me like three times. And I hit another arm bar. He picks me up. He slams me. He picks me up. He slams me. He picks me up. And I just go, fuck you. And I rack it over my hip. And it just goes, Brack! And then Dana goes, that's enough. And I go, I'm super sorry. But like, I mean, yeah. he was slamming me. Yeah. I then get interviewed by uh, Ryan Loco. Shout out Ryan Loco. Uh, and by chance, the guy who I armbarred was sitting behind me. And I'm like, dude, I think I broke his arm. And he goes, no, you fucking didn't. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, how you doing? I'm fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> you know, um, seven hours later, they do a call. Hey, these are the people we want for striking. And I'm literally the last name. And I'm like, is this a joke? Because I did talk a lot, you know. I we're there for like 16 hours, bro. I'm cracking jokes. I'm luckily we luckily we got six or seven friends there, so we got a little click, and we're like teasing the guys rolling. What else are you gonna do? You're bored. Yeah. But I was, I guess, I was loud enough that the fuckery could come back, you know. And uh, we do the striking. I get paired with uh, the Sandman. Anderson Silva fought him, knocked him out with that bully punch. It was his first fight at 205. I can't remember. It's San Hagen? No, the, no. The his Sandman nickname was, was the Sandman. Sandman. He was a he was a light heavyweight, good striker, had a bad boy tattoo on his chest. Either way, he's my pad holder, and I'd been spending time with a lot of ties and you know, lots of posting and shoving. And so I'm just kind of pushing him. And he's like, Oh, I like you. Yeah, let's go. But I'm like, hey man, how about you wait for Mick Maynard to walk by us? And then we get it going. 
<laughs> so Sean Shelby actually walks by us and he's like, let's fucking go. I've never had that kind of output in 15 seconds other than losing my virginity. Ever. <laughs> but like, dude, 15 seconds of the hardest pad work I've ever done in my life. And Sean Shelby just goes, you can stop now and walks away. And I'm like, I was awesome, right? Like that was good. We yeah. did good. I hope because he like he just made me feel like you fucked yeah. up, like yeah, you were no yeah. good. And they have a sit like another eight hours. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Finally, they call us in. So I'm I'm two twenty six. I'm going for the two oh five uh, season, and they bring like eight of us in, and they go, hey, there's not enough talent to do a two oh five season. Can you make one eighty five? And I just go. Now I started mm. jujitsu at three twenty. 320 pounds? Yeah. I'll show you a really? picture. I was a big wow. fat. My father was a pastry chef. Okay, like, it's just part <laughs> of life. Uh, and so at that point, I'm down to 226. I'd been fighting at he light heavyweight, 205. But I'm like, I go, I can try. And the guy goes, I don't give a fuck what you're going to try. If I tell you to be 185 on January 4th, you're going to be 185. I'm like, yes. And he goes, great, you're on the show. We'll bring you back for interviews in two months. And I'm like, holy shit. Wow, that's great. And, and I go for the interviews. The interviews are crazy. Like, they brought me into a room, and there's just like 15 faceless, nameless people and the Fertitta brothers. Mm -hmm. You know, I know who they are, right? And this dude at the head of the table just starts talking shit to me, like, like fucking with me. An interviewer? Yeah, but okay. he's like insulting me. Okay. Like, I guess he's trying to see like if you get riled up. Sure. And it was just the perfect combination of coffee that day. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm zinging these fuckers. Yeah. I'm I'm hitting them. I'm hilarious. I don't know how I'm doing it, but I'm crushing. I have no clue who these people are. It's the president of Spike. Oh, yeah. It's the producer of... Oh, that's like, early, that was, that's bro, early on. I'm yeah. shredding these. Like, bad. I get out of the room, and there's five or six fighters, because we're all, we're all secluded. We're not allowed to know who's there. Okay. And there's, like, five guys in the line, and, I'm, and their handlers are like, what the fuck? Giving my handler shit. And he goes, they wanted them. They just wanted them. And then he explains to me, he goes, these are four-minute interviews. You were in there for 45 minutes. Oh, really? And I was like, is that good? He goes, I fucking think so. Yeah. And I've never seen it before. And then the same thing happened, uh, like, on fight week. You know, they put you up, they got the big ring light. And, you know, the UFC interview where they're, like, in your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, just, I'm in there for almost a half hour. Sucked up. Like, <laughs> oh, fuck, uh, I breed snakes. Uh. And... It, I guess my personality got me on the show. Yeah. Didn't help much on fight day. <laughs> what did you say? You lost, did you so lost I, in the first fight? Here, okay. Very frank. I, I lost. I got knocked out by Jamie Yeager. Is there a backstory? Sure. Do I want to sound like a bitch and like talk about it? Sure. No. But the, <laughs> I, I'll give you the real real. So Jamie and I were like the second to last fight to weigh in. So we get off the scale. He's very cordial. He's very nice. We get off the scale, we go to the back room. I'm like, I need two gallons of water. Give me four Pedialytes. Let me get some watermelon. Let me get some pineapple. All the things that I watched them bring in. And the guy goes, we got amp energy drink. And I go, what? I was like, I just cut 17 pounds. Like, I need two gallons of water. I need four Pedialytes. I need watermelon. I need bananas. I need pineapple. Do you have oatmeal here? Where can I do that? And they're like, we have amp energy drink. We're out of water. We're out of. And are you gonna you gonna be fighting right away? Uh, we fight the uh, next day. The next day, okay. So I'm like, cool. Luckily, we got four guys from ATT on the show, so I go out 
and the boys share. I managed to get like four bottles of water, a thing of Pedialyte, but that's it's not enough. You know, you retain 50% of the water that you drink. So if I cut 18 pounds, I need to drink 36 or whatever, 40 something. I don't know, the math. Either way. So Jamie and I actually go out into the hallway to we just sit on either side of a water fountain. He takes a sip, I take a sip. He and he's talking about he's like, man, this is my last shot. You know, I got a kid, she's three. If I don't make this, then blah, blah, blah. We're just talking because I'm not too different. I was 29. Like, this is the last push, you know? And they come out and they're like, what are you doing? They're like, well, you don't have water, so we're here for the water. And they're like, you, you're mic'd. You cannot be here. You cannot talk. They wouldn't let us talk in the room because they're not filming. If there's going to be conversation, there might be conflict, so they want to have film. I totally get it. And uh, they're like, you got to go in the room. I'm like, oh, okay. So we go in the room. I pass out. My buddies carry me on the bus to go back to the hotel. Now, the rules in the hotel are if you open the door, you're on a plane within an hour. Really? Right. Gone. So, like, my cell phone's gone. We don't have room. They gave us, like, a piece of paper for, like, food, but they just slid it under the door. They don't, like, let you know. Like, I'm not blaming anyone for anything. This is, like, fucking Wasn't the ideal, no, it like, wasn't run like, up to a fight. Ma what it boiled down to was I end up, I could have fucking died, dude. I pass out in my hotel room. I'm alone. I'm, I'm 18. I'm well dehydrated. I'm alone in my room. I get my two gallons of water that were left outside my door on the way to go fight the next day. Right? So I'm like, no, like no one checked. I could have been mm. fucking conscious on the ground. I could have been like, whatever. And that's just how it was. I get in there. And, like, you ever been so hungover? Everything's like gray and foggy. Sure. Like that's how I am in the warm up room. Yeah. Like I, like my, my joints kind of hurt. I can't get it moving. And it was just like, whatever. So I fight, I lose. It happens. What are you going to do? I, I, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even take credit and say, oh, it's one out of 10. Like, He's a Jamie Yeager was a ferocious athlete, but he was a one round fighter. If he couldn't finish you in five, you were probably going to win. That's what his record says. Sure. And I've taken beatings from the baddest motherfuckers in the sport. So I had to do like, but I wasn't in a position to do that. So alas, I got, I got knocked out with a kick. I blocked. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I was just super dehydrated. Yeah. And I'm sure that story makes me sound like a giant crybaby bitch, but <laughs> I mean that's just the fact. But like, how many? Okay. People, yeah, but it is what it is. A, a, a crybaby, a crybaby bitch to people that have never even gotten that close. Yeah. Or just you know. Like I, I take a lot of, or I've been told to take solace in the fact that I was one of twenty-eight of well over five thousand, and I do take solace in that. It still sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, was there a? Uh, you know, I'm always thinking of the business side of things, so I'm always curious about like, th was there a wave to ride from that that helped you with business no. in your school or? It, it actually kind of, so I found out early that my strongest skill set was in coaching. I started coaching as a blue belt and I've been coaching ever since. So probably like 18 years now. Um, and that was actually kind of my, my path. So I was 29. I'm like, all I have to do is get in the house. I don't have to win the show. And I know I'm not because we got four guys from my home gym. So hold on. Yeah. So we're talking about the time where you were fighting to get into the house. Right. So you didn't get I didn't even get that. in the house. Okay. Because they didn't do that later in After the later seasons. After my season, I don't think they, they did. They stopped it. doing that, right? Yeah. You got in the house and then you fought. Right. But there was a time where you had to fight to even think, get into the I house. I think when the cast was like handpicked, they didn't do it. But was when there's like, we got enough talent. Because behind the scenes, you realize the funny guy fought the funny guy. 
The stoic guy fought the stoic guy. The jerk fought the jerk. So no matter what, you got the cast. Yeah. They just did some creative matchmaking to ensure they got the well, cast. Which I'm trying to go back and, and, and think. It, when the show started, was it you fought to get into the house? No. Or did that happen later? Was it so everybody got into the house and then they fought on the first 10 seasons and then after that it changed? I think which, it was, was around it? season seven or eight that they made guys start fighting to get in the to house. To get in the house. Okay. Yeah. And is that the, still the way? I mean, I don't watch now. Is that uh, still dude, the way? I, haven't, you know? I, got too, I was too emotionally attached. After my mm -hmm. season, I just, I just couldn't watch it. When they did ATT vs. Black Zillions, I watched occasionally. It was just like it was just a heart wrenching experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah just it like, takes you back to a negative uh, place. Yeah. yeah, you know what could have been if only. Because like, realistically, it's like I got my fingers in a lot of like different things. So I'm I'm the head cut man for uh, Gamebred FC. I'm a cut man for Combate Global. I run a gym. I do commentary for Combat Night. I work doing other stuff oh, with yeah. Combat Night. Like I do as many podcasts as I can. Um, <laughs> So I call I, me. Hey. So I just I tr I just like to do fight related things. You yeah. know, I, I spent a month in Taiwan. I was doing seminars all over the country. You know, I've taught in Finland and England and Germany and all these places. I just I just like to do things that are related to fighting yeah. a lot. Sure. So my plan was, I know I'm a good talker. I know I'm a good instructor. If I can just get on the show where I get TV time and get like my personality out, I can push into analyst work. I can push into commentary work. I don't want to be an announcer, but I can. Whatever avenue I can do. Because realistically, I'm 30. You're like, well, how much more time do I have realistically? Like, I started at 21. The guys I'm training with have been training jujitsu since they were eight or boxing since they were five. Like, I'm behind. And that's cool because I'm good at these other things. So if this can just catapult me into a place where I can be a public figure, a mouthpiece, a talking head... Great. That was my only goal for the show. Like, we had four guys from ATT on my season. Two guys made it in the house. But even if all four of us made it in the house, two of them fucking abused me every day. There's, yeah. I haven't scored a <laughs> Rich Atenito and Charles Blanchard. High caliber NCAA wrestlers. I'm three and one. They're 10 and four, 15 and three. Like, reality's reality. Yeah. If they can beat the shit out of me every Tuesday and Thursday, I'm probably not going to win this one random Saturday. In a cage. You know? Yeah. It's just what it is. I just needed to get there. So, alas, that didn't happen. But it's okay. At, when I got off, we got our dates that we could... So, once it aired, you were allowed to start booking other fights. Or you could fight. Literally the day after. Whatever. So, I get back, and I'm just like, get me fights. Over the course of just under a year... I signed eight contracts for eight fights and didn't fight a single time. Why? Just it, it didn't happen. Oh. Like I was getting promoters going, we'll set you up. You're just on tough. We'll get you taken care of, blah, blah, blah. And no one wants to fight you. I'm like, dude, I got murdered in 40 seconds. People should be calling you to fight me. But it just mm -hmm. wasn't happening. You think the, that just hearing, oh, he was on tough? I think that might be part. But also back in the day, mm -hmm. like if you were an American top team guy, you were just feared. Yeah. Just, it's, just from I, the jump. It's, I think it's still like that. But now we have other gyms that are like, I'm not scared of you. I'm looking for you. Okay. You know, Kill Cliff, Fusion XL. These are, they're other really good gyms. You know, so they're not like, well, we're fucking good too. What are you going to do? Yeah. And that's how it should be. Because if you don't think you're going to wreck shit, you're in the wrong game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, but whatever combination of things it was, none of them, none of them happened. One was my fault. My coach pulled me. My father had passed. 
on fight week. And I'm like, I'll still do it. And he's like, no, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> Probably a good call. That's rough, yeah. Yeah. So I remember the last one, I'm like 195 pounds. I'm trying to get fights at 185. There was a, a local event that's no longer around. They go, oh, we got a fight for you at 205. And I'm like, if they suck, I'll fight at 205. I'm 195. You know, like, we'll work it out. And they offer me a super heavyweight former NFL lineman who four weeks prior had fought at 270. And I'm like, didn't he fight on the last show as a super? He says we'll make it. To what? Like, to, 205? to 205? Six weeks later. <laughs> and I'm like, um, scientifically, that's yeah, not it's possible. Like not humanly possible. They're like, well, he'll do it. They're like, no, no, no. He's not going to do it. And But I just go, screw it. Give me a guarantee. So no matter what, like, I'm going to make weight. I'm 10 pounds under right now. Give me a guarantee. And then when he doesn't make weight, I'll at least have my guarantee. They're like, what do you want? I was like, 5,000 flat. I'm going up arguably two, three weight classes. And they're like, how about 1,500 in tickets? <laughs> I'm like, I retire. Fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> was sure. yeah. It's like, you want me to sell my own tickets to make my own money? Like, I get it as a side. Here's your show. Here's your uh, win. And we'll give you 20% of a ticket cut. I'm cool with that. But we'll sell these. No. Wow. No. But that's also the the dark ages, I guess. Isn't it kind of still like... Hmm. So I, I'm not a big Isn't fan... is it still like that now a little bit? On yes some of these no. smaller... I'm not a big regional... fan of how pay structure was normalized in MMA, mm -hmm. where it's like, let's just throw it... 500 to show, 500 to win. I can guarantee you, no one is fighting harder for win money. You're fighting hard because you don't want to get your ass beat. You're fighting hard because that's what you train for. You're fighting hard because that's what you do. I'm I'm a more of a proponent of full purses. Like, yes, I can win 500 show, 500 to win. Or you can guarantee me eight. Because at the end of the day, if everyone gets paid the same, two guys fight, you're spending $1,500. One guy gets 1000 one gets 500 or you pay them both 800 bucks. They're guaranteed their money and you spend 100 more dollars. Like just on a small scale. Does this guy who's <laughs> busting his ass for four, five, six weeks training not deserve $800 for up to 15 or 25 you minutes? You don't think that's a, the winner should get a little bit more though? Does, does, the, is there a benefit to make, like, you know, putting, and if you win. Well, that's, that's what positive contracts are for. Right now, granted, in, in all these local events, you don't have necessarily long term contracts. But if you work with the same event over and over and over again, there should be a consistent pay increase. Now, I understand, hey, you don't get a raise when you lose. That's fine. But if I fight my first fight for Ben's fight show and I get five and five, next time should be six and six, seven and seven, eight and eight. Now, I understand there's a cap, but by the time you reach that cap, you're probably main eventing, co main eventing. You probably have options on regional, national circuits. So, great. Because the job is to get you to a point of blossoming. You know, Combat Night is a local Florida show. And they're they're the premier. Like, at this point, I think they've put 16 or 20 guys in the Combat UFC. Night, the, uh, yeah, Mitchell Chamale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think we had him booked and he couldn't make it. Uh, he's awesome. Um, like, a couple years ago, I think we had him and he had to cancel. It was on Zoom. Was, yeah. I didn't, where is he in Florida? Uh, Orlando. Oh, he's in Orlando. Okay. Yeah. He's, I he's, got, him. A he's got some funny. He yeah, he's got a show tomorrow. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Is it always up there? 
No, mm -hmm. no. So Mitchell is the premier promoter in Florida, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. They've got multiple markets, Jacksonville, Tallahassee, Orlando, Fort Myers, Fort Lauderdale. And they're adding two more markets first, second quarter this year, from what I hear. And are you commentating? For I comment I, whenever they're in Fort Lauderdale, I commentate for them. Okay. Uh, let me know when they're down again. Tomorrow. The, oh, to oh, really? Yeah. Uh, shit. Oh. This is a heavy weekend. So yeah. I got you today. Tomorrow's oh, combat right. night. And then I'm hosting an IKF kickboxing tournament at my gym on Sunday. Okay. So if you're around on the 28th, come yeah. get some. I don't know why I'm doing finger guns so much. Yeah, it's okay. I'm not a finger gun we're guy. We're definitely not going to cut it out. We're going to add. <laughs> we're going to add some like little smoke. Put a counter. Out. Seven finger Bo, guns. <laughs> Bo's going to eight. Bo's going to add a little graphic. It's <laughs> like smoke coming out. Perfect. <laughs> Bo, I'm sorry I haven't shouted you out yet, but you're doing an amazing job. <laughs> he's doing an amazing job looking down at his foot. I know. He's, he's, <laughs> no, I'm, 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 he's like shoot, I'm or shoot, bro. I am not. I pay no attention to this over here. <laughs> who? Who? Uh, Bo? Who? Bo. Bo knows. Bo's awesome. Bo's uh, Bo's responsible for all those cool, not all of them, uh, a lot of the the videos that we put out and the pictures we put out. So, but Bo, go ahead. You're a you're a media mastermind. <laughs> Bo knows media. So tomorrow. Uh, so tomorrow's yeah. Combat Night Fort Lauderdale. So I'll be there commentating that, um, which I'm. CombatNightMMA.com for the pay per view. There you go. <laughs> I'm a promo machine. Where, we, this comes out after. <laughs> this doesn't come out till next week. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> so, well, you missed it. It was yeah. a great time. They can watch a, a replay, right? You they, can. They can order a replay. Eventbrite. There you go. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> if you if we if we get you on again, we have to we'll, like uh, if you want to do it according to an event you want to promote. Oh, that'd be like, awesome. Two weeks before. Hell yeah. Like we record, put it out a week before the event, and then yeah. Sweet. Because we'll put this out. Today is Friday by like Wednesday next week, typically. Sweet. The following week. Perfect. Yeah. Excited. But Mitchell runs like six, seven markets in the state, and he's constantly putting on shows. There run there are times where he's putting on a, as many shows as like the UFC is in a month. Yeah. You know, super hectic. Props to him for doing it. Yeah. Juggling all those fighters, all those coaches. Like, Does he own a gym as well? Or no. is he just okay. no? Because uh, he trains at a fusion. That's just okay. like his home base. Okay. But no, nah, he. I know he's a black belt. Yeah. He he took he's like really involved with his fighters. Like when Val hit the UFC, he was there. Val who? Uh Val the Animal. He's at a fusion. He fought Bo mm -hmm. Nickel. Okay. Uh I know Bo Nickel. Yeah. <laughs> so like when Hannah Goldie, when she fights, he goes and corners yeah. Hannah Goldie. Like, oh, really? These okay. are all fighters that he's either helped bring up through the amateurs into the pros that are now getting these these large options, you know. Um one of my fighters, Sham Delva, uh, what was it November last year? We we main evented a card, and it was basically whoever wins this is gonna get a phone call to a big show, mm -hmm. and and that's the the tier he's at now. If you're fighting for his titles, if you're main eventing his cards, you got a really really good shot of getting a Bellator, PFL one or or UFC call. Really? He's yeah. I think in the last three years he's put twelve guys in the UFC alone. Really? You know like. Mm -hmm. If you are fighting in Florida or in the Southeast region and you get the option to fight on a combat night, especially if you're like a higher end guy, like fucking do it. People are watching you. Yeah. The, the show is very well known. Wow. You know, so take it. Combat night. Very cool, man. So what else do you have going on? Oh, man, there we are. You said, you said combat night. You said combate. Yep. You're a cut man for combate? so I'm a cut man for Combate Global. And I'm the head usually, cut man for Gamebird FC. Do they do? Uh, they do a lot of stuff in South Florida and DR. Yeah. 
So in the Dominican Republic, uh, Combate Global is purely based out of Miami uh, Univision Studios at the last three seasons. Okay. So it's just this closed door studio. Last season, they started adding in a crowd. Think about 60, 80 people. And it's really kind of, it's kind of like like an apex thing. Yeah. 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 It's pretty sweet. Uh, The apex is surprisingly, it's just a giant office building. Like you have this thing and then you just walk in the back room and it's just offices and cubicles. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Good, good craft is that where they though. is that where they have the PI too? Yeah. They so, the, okay, I was at, I had one of my guys. That, it's all in that building. No, it's separate oh, buildings. Okay, but yeah, they from what I heard, the the driver told us they basically bought like ten or twelve acres of like just outside of the busy shit Vegas, mm-hmm. and they built the PI, which was like four thousand square feet. They built the apex, and they're like, oh man. The PI is too small. We have to build a bigger PI. We're going to use the small PI for like Conor McGregor, Cowboy, Ronda Rousey, like so they can have a private 4,000 square feet. And then we're going to do this other crazy thing. I don't think it's done yet. So we're doing, they're doing like a massive training center and the Apex will be like inside of it. When I went to the Apex, it was like a TV studio with some offices on the outside. It was really cool though. It was a great place. Yeah. Yeah. They, every, like they had, Everyone had like a 700 square foot dressing room with like 500 square feet of mats, a private locker room, shower, bathroom, place to chill out. It was great. I loved the Apex. It was fabulous. Yeah. The PI has a Michelin star chef last time I heard. Fancy. And cheap. Like yeah. you're the the fighters get like a card, like a like a thumbprint, and they just go, boop, here's your food. And the coaches, they're like, oh, it's four bucks. Thanks. Really? And it's like really proper it was great so they did this to was it just to give their fighters a place to train when they're in vegas but it's become more than that like it's isn't it the the home base for a lot of fighters now like this is their training gym regardless of where they're gonna regardless of where they're gonna wind up fighting in the country uh like yes so it's I'm, not I'm, just about cut flying into vegas and having a place to train while you're there yeah they got a lot of really good stuff in there like They've got uh, PTs, physical therapists, like massage therapists, et cetera. Like as a coach, I didn't really have access to all that. But I have a, a buddy uh, who was on a UFC roster. He had knee surgery. They did his entire rehab at the PI. And like when we stayed, they basically took over an entire Marriott. Like the kind of hotels where you have like a small living room, kitchen, like, you know, a two burner stove with a small toaster oven kind of thing. Yeah. So you can like cook. You can live there. Ingano lived on the third floor. We were on the fifth floor. Yeah. Like, and it was great. So my buddy just goes, hey, man, I got to do rehab. I want to use the PI. They go, cool. They put him in the Marriott. And then he just goes to the PI, gets his rehab, works out. And it's because he's on roster, you just thumbprint it. Boop, go in. Wow. So they, they provide a ton. The underwater treadmills, cold pools. If you're on the UFC roster, you if have you, access to yeah. this. Whenever you, at whenever least that's you what I was exp- okay. how it was explained to me while sure. I was there. I was piggybacking off my fighter. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's cool, man. Dude, it was great. Vegas was awesome. Yeah, a little pricey, dry, nosebleeds, no good. Yeah, been to Vegas a few times. How much you lose? Not a big gambler. Not yeah. a, not a ton. How much did I drink? That's another question. That's the question. I went to I Vegas a for lot. a wedding. I discovered mm-hmm. twenty five cent roulette. Here's the system, guys. <laughs> Write this down, okay? One bet load. So let's say it's a dollar. A dollar on black. Then you take another dollar, 
and you go on black heavy corners. So three black, one red, and you just put them on the corner. So if you put it on black, it pays one to one. You put down a dollar, you win $2, right? You put it on those corners, they're eight to one, okay? So if you hit black, you break even. If you hit one of the three black numbers, you get eight to one plus black. So you're doubling, right? And if you hit one of those reds, great. You get eight to one. So you'll get two bucks almost every time. And that is how I got drunk as shit <laughs> over four hours while my friend was doing pre-marriage things and I was stuck in Vegas. <laughs> Hope his wife's not going to ever hear that. Uh, uh, they were doing whatever uh, they had to do. I was just I went, drinking free cocktails. I went to Vegas one time with no money. And my buddy would be like, here's 20 bucks. We'd go sit at the bar, put it in the poker machines. We always won. Don't know why. We, I'd win enough money to go drinking that night. And that's how I funded my trip is yeah. just poker. You're getting free drinks while you're playing the poker, the poker machine. I win enough to go out and yeah. then I do it again the next day. Yeah. And that's how I partied up in Vegas. That's what I'm trip. talking about. Yeah. It was, that's what I did with the quarter roulette. I was like, I started with 10 bucks. As soon as I made 20 bucks, I put 10 in my pocket. And then I, if I lost, I lost whatever. I, I already have my 10 bucks. I left drunk as a skunk <laughs> with $50, $40 in my pocket. I got to tip the waitress. I tipped the dealer. I was like, hey, this is great. It was the best and worst trip I had because <laughs> I went broke. And but you can't I, I, yeah, I had, I, you know, it was like, I'm broke. It's like I couldn't. I, I couldn't enjoy myself as much as I wanted to because it was like, in my, I'm like, I'm broke. What if I don't win tomorrow? Yeah, I got to save some of this money for tomorrow. Uh, you know, but we we, we always wound up. It was me and my buddy did it. We always wound up winning. And the gods had smiled up. upon you. Yeah, <laughs> and we had a great time, man. It, Vegas is awesome. I haven't been back in a really long time. Here's something I think I, I just told somebody last night. I go, my, I would love to go during International Fight Week in the summer. Like, that would be awesome. a great time to go and have tickets to a fight on top of it. Like dream vacation. That's what she said. Yeah, do it. And then it's a write-off. But I'm like, you don't, uh, man, I, well, it's still a write-off because I can go promote. Yeah. Um, but it's to go film there. It's We're not going to take this with us. We're not set up to do it. Um, I, I, I didn't even, wouldn't even want to. I wouldn't even yeah. want the stress of that. I would want to go to promote, meet people to get them on the show. Hey, when you're in Florida, or let's do a Zoom. You I know, mean, if they have like a convention that. center, get a booth or something. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go enjoy myself and, and just promote. Do it because it, it's it's dual for me. It's dual promotion. It's the you know the marketing company and the podcast. Have mm -hmm. you on the show, but make some relationships. Yeah. you know people become I mean, that's clients. The way. Yeah, for sure. That's my yeah. weakest area. I don't bullshit. Like I bullshit well with no parameters like this. Yeah, but like we're going to a networking event and we're going to meet people. <laughs> that's yeah. not my area. I'm like, oh god, that's my life. I I belong to a networking group. Like we meet every week. Online, oh. we go out, we do go meet at Top Golf. We meet with other groups, that but sounds, it just—it sounds so reasonable. But you don't talk. But you know what? The networking that I'm involved with, you go and you just get to know each other. Mm -hmm. You're not trying to sell each other anything. What you want is that person to go. I got a buddy with a. I got a buddy that owns a company. Yeah, that we could probably introduce you to. So it's just like getting to know each other so that they're comfortable recommending you to their friends, clients, family members, you know, yada, yada, right? Speaking so, of which, 
I've got a guy for you. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Fight Circus? Fight Circus. I I feel like I probably follow them. Okay. So let me see if I do. If you don't, you should. Fights. All that crazy Russian shit that you see, like That's, five yeah. on five or car jitsu, it He's was putting all out those videos, right? It was all invented by my buddy John, who okay. runs Fight Circus. And then the Russians took it over and put more money There's behind fight it. Fight underscore circus and fight circus. Is that the one? The one that looks like a crazy ringleader in front of a circus tent. All right, so it's not this one. It's got to be fight underscore circus. Fight underscore circus. Do you see a guy with gray hair fighting two small people? Yes. That's John. <laughs> yep. So is John, that that's your buddy? That's John. So John is the CEO, promoter, and ringmaster Ooh. of Fight Circus. So two events ago, we had Bob Sapp and Rampage do Siamese boxing with John and Woody. Who is the Siamese? So are they okay, tied so this, together. This was my fabulous like... idea. Oh boy. So John was coming up with crazy stuff. John was doing uh, MMA symmetrical, one versus two. Then then he got crazy. Oh, there you go. Here's Bob Sapp. Yeah. <laughs> so I go, hey, let's take jujitsu belts and tie people together at the chest and the hips and do Siamese Muay Thai. I throw the right sides. He throws the left sides. Then he goes, it's easier. We'll just put them in giant shirts. And it gets nuts. Dude, we have Petzilla. I see the shirts. Yeah, dude, Petzilla's fighting for him. This guy looks like uh, like Gordon Ryan almost in this picture. That's the guy that owns it. Yeah. He looks, yeah, in this uh, little montage, he looks like uh, like Gordon Ryan. But go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. So, we, dude, we had Tyson Fury two, two shows ago. I mean, granted, he just sat in a throne and watched the fights. But it's, it's absolute insanity. Can you, can you put this on screen, Christian? Fight, uh, Instagram, fight underscore circus. Go to that video of the guy fighting to... It's the the one all the way at the top on the right. This guy fighting on uh, fighting two young, two little guys in a in a vest. He's got a tie so on. He's this, got a tie and a vest yes. on. So John like was dressed. calling the show. He's doing the announcing, and he literally grabs a guy who's dressed as a clown, and goes, "Take the mic. I got to go get my hands wrapped." <laughs> Gives yeah. it to the clown. And the clown's just like, yeah, we'll do it. Like, he's a German guy. Like, yeah, we're here for the fight circus. And then John comes out, sings his own intro music. Keep, John's been on Thailand's Got Talent. He sings yeah. the national anthem, like, in the stadiums. Yeah. He's like a career farang. And what is that? A foreigner. Okay. Yeah. So he, like, comes out, just gets in the ring, doesn't loosen his tie, and just goes, bang. No money, because he gives the Thai's names, because Thai names are relatively hard. He just calls them Bank and No Money. Those are their names. That, that, he, that's what he named that's the guys he named he's fighting? Every, dude, we've got, pardon my language, we've got a team of like eight midgets that have been working for the show. Little, little people. Ben. Little people. Little people. For, they've been working for the show since I lived in Thailand, so like 2011. Oh, he stuck. He does a, a yeah, soccer he punts kick. one of the dudes in the head. Oh, they end shit. up beating him. Don't worry. Oh, do they? They're under. Oh no, I take it back. They're like six and one. I just lost my chair. Got it? Can you find it? There we go. This is a. <laughs> so this is what's his name? John Nutt. John Nutt. Great name. The Duke of the Espats. <laughs> wow. So those two brothers have fought. John, Stephen Panda Banks. Oh, look at that! Yeah, dude, punted him right oh, in the head. Wow. Jesus, <laughs> that's crazy. So. This, like, where, where is he putting these on? 
Thailand. This These is are all in Thailand. Thailand. Yeah. Could this happen here? This couldn't happen. Uh, you'd be surprised. You, yeah. So, okay. Could you get this? Is this like, it's a, it's a sporting event, so it would have to be sanctioned by it the would state, have right? to be, But here's the thing. John's not marketing it as fight sports. He's marketing it as entertainment. He's going like the pro wrestling line okay. a lot more. Like, we they could be gimmicked. They're not. But yeah. that doesn't matter because it's not a sport kind of thing. Yeah. My favorite thing we've done was the Indian Leg Wrestling World Championships. Indian Leg Wrestling? So you have two two people laying like head to feet. And they pick their leg up, two, and they leg wrestle trying to make the other person do a back roll. So bracket one was just a bunch of models. Bracket two was a bunch of ladyboy models. And as we worked down the brackets, we got to the finals. So it's a woman and a lady, a lady boy. Yeah. Because it's Thailand, baby. Yeah. Let's okay. go. <laughs> We've had, uh, are you familiar? Uh, we had Nong Rose fights for us. Nong Rose, the movies were done about her. Beautiful boxer. She was a Lumpini Stadium competitor. I don't know if she made a champion. Then transitioned. They had her fight women. Two fights in, they're like, you can't fight women. They had her go back to fighting men. And she's maintained like a reasonably competitive level. Still fighting? This is so yeah. still fights. Yeah. She, yeah. Like, I think, gosh, she's probably been fighting. Like, I mean, most ties start when they fight, they fight around four, five, six years old. She's probably close to 30 now. What do you think about that here in the, in the U.S. about somebody, a man who transitions, becomes a woman fighting women? It's a hard go, man. It, it's difficult, oh. right? Do I think it's proper? No. Do I think most people are just cheating? Yes. Like there's go a, that far to win a title. I'm gonna literally there, transition there's a, to There's a girl sex. out of Tampa. She's a male to female trans. She's fought two two guys I know from Port St. Lucie, but she fights men. Her first she won her first fight against this this I don't care for this guy because uh, he bailed on one of my guys on the scale. But his name's Chachi Versace. That's his, that's what he goes by. That's like his Chachi name. Chachi Versace. Chachi Versace. Hey. But he fought her. He he lost. Uh, and she gets on the mic and she's like, all you dudes that transitioned and you're not competing with women are pussies. She's like, you know what the fuck you are. And like her, you know, it's on the internet. You can see it. Yeah. But she calls him out. She's like, I'm a male to female trans and I will fight men because that's what the fuck I, I am. Yeah. Like, the, yeah. it's unfair for me to fight girls. And the strength is still there. You don't, when you transition, you're not like the strength is still there. I think like, I think like I, there's, a, there's an, I'm, I don't mean yeah, to interrupt you, but gonna, I think this is a valid explanation of, of what I understand at this point. Um, one of the, one of the jujitsu organizations basically came out and said, jujitsu or MMA organization said, we're going to follow whatever rule from this organization, this other organization, mm -hmm. which is, if you transitioned after puberty, you would have, like, if you were a man and you transitioned after puberty, you are a man, even though you've transitioned to a woman and you can only fight men. Mm -hmm. um, it was definitely like a jujitsu organization that was following, like saying, we're going to follow this rule of this larger organization. Mm -hmm. If you've transitioned as a child before puberty, then if you were a boy that transitioned to a woman, to a girl before puberty, then you are a girl and you can fight girls. Yeah, um, and that came after there was like a big deal where a uh, a guy who had transitioned lost to a female fighter, but a lot of people were posting it. I don't know if you're you, yeah, you I know, saw right? it. a I lot think it was of the people. Tom DeBlas student who submitted him. Yeah, yeah, and they they you know it be that or whatever that organization is. Forgive me, I don't remember the names, but that organization was like 
after that, they they got a lot of heat for that. Mm-hmm. And then they said, well, we're going to follow this larger organization's rule as to transitioning athletes, which is, you know, yeah, puberty is the is the is the, the, the defining factor. If you transition before or after, you know, you are transition before, then you are that that sex that you transition to and you can fight those people. Yeah. Does that make sense? I think as long as everyone knows. Yeah. Like, I think as long as everyone knows. Remember Phelan Fox? She was she was fighting down in Miami for the xfc back in the day but she fought she was the one who fought like four girls broke one of their skulls like literally caved her skull in and then a guy that transitioned to and then they found out that they had transitioned and uh felon fox was like that's not your business fuck you that's what joe rogan got all that bullshit about because he was talking about her you know i remember that because this was this dude was a professional boxer through uh, like up until being like 30 and then he transitioned around 33 and so he's going, dude, you fought as, as a, a guy. Yeah. Like, so that I have a bit of an issue with. But, if, like, after that, she fought two or three more women, but they go, you're a trans male to female. I'm okay with that. Don't care. As long as it's out in the open, you know. You're hiding it. Yeah, and not. you have the, the wherewithal to make that conscious decision. No problem. None. Because I'm an adult. You're Did he an adult. ever lose to a woman? Did he ever? Yeah. Lose? Um, Sarah McCann, Olympic silver medalist wrestler. I think that win yeah. is kind of what popped her into the UFC. Yeah. 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 She abused Phelan Fox. Yeah. Beat the dog shit out of her. With yeah. Her? Just wrestled her Wrestle, to death. I was going to Put her wrestling. on the floor and just smashed her out. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that they fought, but. Yeah. All, in McCann's. Miami. It was all at UM. Wow. Good times. This is like the land of plenty when it comes to jujitsu and fighting. Florida right? is the mecca of fight sports yeah mma at least yeah for sure i like, think we're i think we've become do you think we i i would have said before austin blew up that we were the mecca for jiu-jitsu as well austin's really blown up but i don't think there's that many high level you got b team you got donaher cool top tier if you top tier. if you google jiu-jitsu austin texas everywhere it's just like da, 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 no kidding yeah yeah that's my world. That's huh. what I help people with is getting found on like the maps and stuff, you know, getting found more. But so like, I, I've, I've looked at it. Um, no, I can't say that it's all like the biggest gyms, but I mean, it's more saturated than here now. I mean, it's just in Austin Tech. Think of it like just Fort Lauderdale. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of schools in Fort Lauderdale, yeah. but I think that it's such a heavy concentration in Austin. It's just like, you know, like everywhere. That's going to make business um, pretty hard. But just even being that close to like two of the most well-known teams in the sport being in the same city let alone most likely within blocks of one another. i mean this i mean it's i think more people are forget about the amount of schools it's the amount of people that are going there now mm-hmm. but i mean once gordon ryan went there and then rogan coming in as well it's like yeah shit. i mean you can go as a student and be on the same mats with yeah R- rogan's pretty quiet about where he changed like he doesn't really like you don't hear him talk about like I'm training here, and I, I know he was hurt a few years back, so yeah. he was like off the mask for a little bit. But like you wouldn't know. I don't know the exact place he trains at, which is probably smart for him. My you know? assumption is he just has them come to his facility. Maybe, maybe. But like in, at in that, at California, like he had like a full gym. There's all the videos of like him hitting pads with Liam Harrison and Bang Ludwig and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So my guess is like he probably goes, "Hey, how much is a private? Cool, come to my yeah. house, I'll double it." Like, yeah. it's 200 bucks. Who cares? Like, for him. 
I mean, I, I would, I would think that, I mean, I, I'm a total guess. Cause again, he's, he doesn't put out a lot of stuff about his jujitsu. Last, know, so. last I heard him talk about it was like, he's like, after I got my black belt, I blew my back out again. And he's like, and I've just been doing striking. Okay. So, but I could, I mean, I don't know the guy. Yeah. I could be wrong. No. I don't listen to him as much as I, I used to because I'm not on Spotify. I, I'm not, no, I'm not, um, I'm not, uh, that, that definitely fucked, fucked, you know, that for a while you couldn't shoot the video. Like, uh, I couldn't get the video to go to my, like I would mm -hmm. put it on, on my TV on, on you. I would watch yeah. it on YouTube. I put it on the TV and then I work at home, yeah. be, you know, I've worked at home for a long time. So with Spotify, you had to like shoot it from your phone to the TV and you couldn't get the video. You get the video on your phone, but you couldn't shoot it to the TV. So I got to know. I'm like, I'm not, just don't watch it on my phone. I want to throw it up on the TV, and I want to be over yeah. here at my desk working. And you couldn't do it for a long time. And it was like there was a thing. It was like the Spotify yeah. did. There was something wrong with the way they pro they had to like get it to the right place. Um, so I just kind of weaned off it. Then working at home, I'm not in the, like I listen to a lot of podcasts when I'm car. in the car yeah, and yeah. I'm driving for and I'm not driving. My office is literally across the street. I could walk to my office from where I live. I don't have to really commute mm -hmm. i'm working from home 99.9 percent .9 of the time because everybody's my, all my employees are remote live in yeah. different states so i don't have to be in an office and clients are all over the country too so nobody's coming in to like hey i'm gonna stop by to like yeah. you know so i there's no t when am i listening to same thing with the audiobooks i'll only re listen to audiobooks i won't read i'll only listen to audiobooks and that's all out the window because i'm yeah. just not agree doesn't happen yeah yeah like so. i I was living in Coral Springs. But I love guy, I love Rogan. I love Rogan. No, he's great. You know, I didn't. I, I tell people I didn't do this because I thought I wanted to be a Rogan. This totally came from just like hanging out with friends. But like, God, we should have recorded. Like talking yeah. about jujitsu and the craziness. Like I got guys that trained with Popovich and like the Avengers back is in the Pablo day. Like, back in town. I don't even know. I think. He's I don't in, think so. Isn't I think he like back, Abu Dhabi or something. I think he's still in ABCC. Yeah. yeah, he's in hiding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. So uh, so yeah, this wasn't because of I was a Rogan fanatic. But it was just like, hey, let's do this. It would be kind of fun to do this. And yeah. then it took off. But um, I mean, I would I do certainly a better job listen than Rogan. To him. I'm sure you would yeah. too. <laughs> just putting it out there. I, I, it's, uh, he gets a lot of heat. I, I definitely like uh, Ray. Like, yeah. uh, I, I know Ray listens to him. And I, I call Ray my, my nutritionist now because mm -hmm. like Ray's like constantly like, hey, you should take that. Carnivore brother. Yeah. He's, he's on the carnivore like heavy for a couple of years yeah. now. So I call him my nutritionist because he'll be like, uh, he sends me stuff and I do it like, uh, I add cayenne pepper to like all my food now. And mm -hmm. I gone completely off of, uh, antacid tablets. I oh. had to take antacid tablets every single day really, for years. And he told me to start doing it for like, as a replacement for blood thinner. Like I have to take mm -hmm. a baby aspirin because of the heart yeah. attack. And he's like, do this. But that led to me, I still take the baby aspirin because I've got to ask my, I really want to ask my cardiologist, is, can I go off? But it, it's also, it also helped with my acid reflux. That's crazy. Nuts, right? Yeah. So, well, he's my nutritionist. <laughs> Ray, I'm going to call yeah. you this week. Yeah, talk to him about the CPI, man. That, that's, that's a big deal. He's, he's banged up right now. Yeah. He trains as much as he can, but he's, he's banged up and I mean, he. His whole family trains. His wife got into training. Awesome. Who never, his wife never worked out, or I shouldn't say ever worked out. She definitely didn't do jujitsu. Uh, kids were doing jujitsu. They'd be like, we don't want to go to the. And she'd be like, they don't want to go, Ray. Don't let them make them go. And now she goes, trains more than him, and she's competing. That's she's awesome. gone. She's competed in IBJJF, gone to Vegas. 
She's uh, that's she's the, all about it, the, which is, I'm, is awesome. I'm right there. Like like, every guy's dream to uh, have his wife like fucking like encourage you to get on the match. Yeah. You know, right? It's like fucking crazy. I'm I'm realizing it. It's we're after two. Oops. Let's uh, we got to start wrapping it up. Let's do a quick. Let's do our. Uh, I think we can start calling it a speed round again, but we, we call cool. it the the drill down. We spare no expense on sound effects. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna go down. I'm gonna go down some of these questions. So let's go. Uh, so uh, preference, gi or no gi? Gi. Takedown or pull guard? Takedown. Music during rolling. Like yes or no? Yeah. Yeah. And then music preference. What What's your go to? What do you want to listen to when you're? How honest are we really being on this? One hundred percent. This so, is like. <laughs> okay. There's There's the difference between class I, roles. And like extracurricular roles, so class roles, class roles. So I stopped. Open playing. mat, open but, mat. You have an open mat. Open mat. What are you I throwing? I sadly on? stopped playing music at my gym. Okay, because, because I'm getting annoyed by music companies that want you to pay them to run a radio. So I'm like, I'd rather yeah. just not have radio. Okay, fuck you. All right, but uh, left to my own devices, <sighs> competitors, something a little more aggressive, civilians, yeah. something a little more chill. Yeah, you know. But, I like everything. It's like it, the coach puts something on and it'll resonate with me, whether it's like 80s rock or mm -hmm. he puts on Brazilian music or a little Bob Marley. I love it all. And it, it definitely affects how I roll. Yeah, for sure. You know, like, I'm, sure. like you know, let the bodies hit the floor. Like, that's a different role. Than, I'm over uh, here like, I, could I just died in your arms tonight. <laughs> but I, listen, mixed in some 80s rock. I love that. Bro, my my coach is not into it. He, he won't oh. play 80s rock. But I I I I, li I literally listen to everything. So any I can like be like, I I'm a little bit of an asshole that I'll sing to my training partner, dude, especially dude, if I'm yes. if I'm if I'm yes. if I'm beating them. Oh, and then you know, kind of singing in their ear a little bit. I dude. I I always think that that's fun. And, like, and if I am getting beat, it throws them off because like I'm about to I'm getting the better of you and you're singing. It's always like a a, a mind fuck. You're, you're like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next question is annoying thing. You're a coach. Annoying things that students do. What's your number one like? Your, your biggest pet peeve? Don't fucking listen. Like yeah. <laughs> holy shit! Like <sighs> I've created a lesson plan. We're working on these things, so let's work on them. I like head kicks. <laughs> We're doing jujitsu. I kick things. <laughs> Fucking Christ. So yeah, don't be uncoachable. Yeah. That <sighs> I do that. I I don't do that. I what I do is being coachable. I I'm a bit notorious. I'm trying to get I'm trying not to do this, but being older, not super flexible, little back hurts. We'll do something. I'll be like, yeah, that doesn't work for my body. So I'm going to do it this way or, you know, and then my coach will come over and he'll be like, but if you do it here and, and then he, oh shit, I can do it. Yeah. But I'll be like, oh, I'm trying to tell him why I'm not doing it, doing the move the right way or, well, I can't really do it. So I'm going to do it this way. And he'd be like, move your butt. Like, and yeah. like, fuck, he was so right. He's always right. There's nothing wrong with personalizing or expanding. There's a problem with disregarding. Yeah. Right. I'm, I'm, I don't do a ton of new school jujitsu. I like tried and true. Also, again, I'm an MMA background more so than anything. So like my jujitsu is tainted. I don't like 
I'm not fast passing because I still think about getting punched and kicked in the sure. face. You know what I mean? So it's just like how we're addressing. Now, if you're a pure jujitsu competitor versus a fighter versus a hobbyist or serious, that's all cool. I got I got a guy who's 400 pounds. I got a guy who's 98 pounds. They're not going to do the same things the same sure. ways. But it's important to me that your first 10 reps, do it my way. And then now you at least have the mechanics you have your your pivot points, your your uh, your securities. Like, you know, when a guy is a rock climbing, they always pin in. So if they fall, they only fall one length. Yeah. I I have a stop point. Basically, the same thing. Hit your stop points. You can adjust in the middle. You can change it yeah. up. But you got to make sure you're not going to fall too far back. I, I tell people, I'm going to teach you how to do it by the book. And this is actually like business wise with marketing and jujitsu. I'm like, I'm going to teach you by the book. But I'm, you're going to wind up figuring out how it works better for your body. Yeah. Like simply like uh, break, even just like breaking the guard. Some people like to put this leg out first. Some people like to put the leg in the butt first and then go out. I'm like, I actually go, I put my leg out first. So a lot of coaches teach it like, no, get foot in the butt and then stretch the leg out. I go, I feel like I'm going to tilt over. I'm big on the top. If I don't put this leg out first and I put my foot in the butt and I try. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to sweep me. So I do it this way. I go. Figure out what works for you. Like I'm gonna teach you by the book. Yep. I'm gonna teach you what the how the coach teaches it. If in, in situations where I'm like working with a new guy, which happens, like if it's a big guy and it's a white belt, be like, Milt, hey, grab him. You know, show him some basics. So like I'll by the book, but then you're gonna figure out what works for you. And you you know, and yeah. like you said, you what? Do you, how did you say it? preference or something? You yeah, said you just gotta make it your own. Yeah, yeah. So like I I had an argument uh, with someone. They're like, do it how I showed you. And do my jujitsu. Like, there was a, a guy, I got into it over, like, an Instagram post, like, sharing it with a buddy of sure. mine. And the guy's like, being a jack-of-all-trades is a negative. You want to impart your game. This, that. But that's just not how I, how I view it. Like, I can't paint. I can't draw. I can't play piano. This is my art. This is how I paint my pictures. This is my self-expression. So who am I to be like, you have to be me. Because you're you. So it's my job as an instructor to give you as many options, ways, pathways, and you're going to attach yourself to what you attach yourself to. I could show yeah. you a triangle every day for a year, but if you got short, stubby legs, you're not doing triangles great. So it's I figure I just got to give you the paint and the brushes, and you got to paint the picture. I was not going to bring this up on this podcast. Uh -oh. A listener from a listener mm -hmm. who I trained with last night. Went out to my car, and and um, this this guy says to a blue belt, "This is a purple belt talking to a blue belt." He's like, "I don't want to see you doing that anymore. I don't want to see you rolling like that. I don't. You shouldn't be getting beat by these blue belts." And I listened and I gave my opinion, and then I went home and I told them. I sent them a voice message and I said, "You, nobody should be telling you why you're there, or should tell you how." what your jujitsu should look like mm -hmm. other than your coach. If your coach maybe says that to you, okay, you take it, but you still have to make this your own. You're here for a different reason than him and him telling you, and I have respect for both of them. I, it's, it's not a disrespect thing. I, you need to, to train your jujitsu the way you, you're training. This guy you mentioned being really heavy. He was super heavy, lost a ton of weight. And he, I, I'm trying to tell him like, your jujitsu, this is your journey. Nobody should be telling you. I don't want another student should not be telling you. I don't want to see you lose to that guy anymore. I don't want to see you do this. And I was, 
and I kind of, I didn't say it in the conversation, but I said it to him privately later, just through a chat message. I'm like, listen, I respect him, but your jujitsu is your jujitsu. If you want to be kind of a nice guy, pull guard, let people work, then you're that guy. If you want to be a little bit more mean and aggressive, that's your choice, but nobody should be telling you. Not me as a black belt, not him as a purple belt. The only person that really maybe matters is the guy that's going to put the belt on you, which is your coach. And even my coach is not going to talk to anybody like that. He's going to help you make you just yeah. do what right for you. So we actually kind of had that conversation about this is your journey. You know, you shouldn't, that's noise. That's noise and nobody yeah. should be telling you what your jujitsu is supposed to look like or be when you're there for a completely different reason. You're not going to compete. You're not getting in the cage. You're not doing this, that, the other thing. So anyway, all right, so we gotta, we're going to wrap it up. I'm going to move forward to uh, the big question that we always ask. Um, you, did you say gi or no gi before? I said gi. Gi, okay. So do you or do you not wash your jiu-jitsu belt? Yeah. You wash it? Yeah. Okay. Because right, you're not a stinky bastard and you're not right. a dirty... Do I do it as often <laughs> as my gi? No. Yeah. But semi-regularly? I've, I've, at black, I haven't washed my black belt yet. I'm spraying it with Lysol uh-huh. and I hang it. Are, are you like oh. a bad juju guy? No, I've always washed my belts. I've taken a lot of heat for washing my belts. That's why we asked the question because my former co-host used to like, we used to like argue. He's like, no, you don't wash it. Some of the reasons have been like, you don't wash off the juju. You're, it's the blood of my, you know, of my, the fallen. When uh, you, you wash know. the black belt, it will yeah. turn into yeah. a white belt. Yeah. Um, and then I think the, 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 the argument, the best argument I've heard is like, it makes it look more worn and look, make, you're making it look like you train more. That Wagner, yeah. Wagner was on the show. He said that and he like was like, "You're wrong. You don't wash your belt." I'm only not washing it because it's my black belt. Yeah, and this is like the last one I'm gonna get, so I do want this one to last as long but as possible. I'm on my like so second or third one. I've oh, I've had two belt <laughs> other than white belt. I've had two belts at every. I've had one of my own and probably like one from Flo and Roll, yeah. because he's either given it to me or I've just gotten one and I've had both. I just always get home, I throw the gi in the wash, mm. and I throw the belt in. Never, not a big deal. Yeah. Only because I want my black belt to look, you know, yeah. a little bit more black for a little bit longer, and I, I don't know. It's just so, first, so now I'm spraying it, and it's no big deal. My first black belt I didn't wash, and yeah. it, it is like, like tattered. I can't, I can't untie it. Like, I had yeah. to get a new one because the knot wouldn't come undone anymore. Yeah. And the new one, I'm like. Is it all, like, frayed and stuff? Yeah, yeah. it looks awesome. <laughs> but the new one, like, oh, I'm getting my stripes, like, uh, in Blah, blah, blah. Like embroidered, yeah, embroidered. Yeah. It looks so much better. Oh, yeah, that's great. Those, those, yeah, that looks good. I'm, I'm a little bit away from that. I got a few years before I have to worry about that. December third was my nine year anniversary. Oh yeah, yeah, very cool. Oof. All right. Thank you to Feito IT and AV, specializing in commercial and residential automation, security cameras, CCTV, POS, and more. Check them out at feitoitav.com or call 305-428 2515 and let them know the dummy sent you. Special thank you to the crew over at Flow and Roll for all their support. Flow and Roll is renowned for their incredible Nogi rash guards, shorts, and leggings. Flow and Roll has quickly become the premier custom apparel provider for academies big and small throughout the United States. Reach out today to discuss your custom order and ask about their incredible pre-order program. You can send an email to flowenroll at gmail.com or visit their Instagram at flow underscore n underscore roll and shoot them a direct message. And yes, they can create an awesome custom gi for your academy as well. Visit flowenroll.com to check out their awesome designs and while you're there, pick up a jujitsu dummy signature tee exclusively at flowenroll.com. And remember, you'll get 20% off your purchase of t-shirts, rash guards, or gis with code 
JJD. Listen, Ben, thank you very much for doing this. Thank I you for having you. me. You were I'm sorry, born. I wasn't more funny. No, you're you're hilarious. <laughs> we we recorded all that stuff you said in the beginning, and we're gonna like we're gonna <laughs> bribe you. With, <laughs> we're gonna blackmail you with that. But thank you uh, for watching and listening, everybody. Check us out at Jujitsu Dummies on Instagram for all the ways to watch, listen, and support. Uh, my personal IG is Uncle Milty BJJ. If you want to connect with me, again, thank you for watching and listening, everybody. Peace, love, Jujitsu. Peace.